Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. When Janair Girardo suspected her husband was cheating, she secretly recorded him and heard the proof he was having an affair. Why do they get to be happy? And why do I have to suffer? I just love him so much, I can't take it. And then Janair began recording herself, revealing how and why she was about to kill two people. Well, more breaking news now from Delaware. Radnor police say Janair Garrido ambushed the 33-year-old. One of the big questions any mental health professional struggles with is, isn't everybody who commits murder mentally ill? To which most of us would say no, not necessarily. From Podcast One, I'm Barbara Schroeder, writer-director of Netflix's Evil Genius, introducing Bad Bad Thing. The shocking story that made headlines around the world. Subscribe to Bad Bad Thing at Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you get your podcasts. He turned me into a monster because he doesn't know anything about honesty. J.B. Weld, proud sponsor of the Adam Carolla Show, the uh, the epoxy adhesive brand that uh, used by uh, pros and DIYers alike, trusted for over 50 years. And it's available at J.B. Weld and retailers everywhere, including Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, O'Reilly, Walmart, Napa, Amazon, Michaels, and more. J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond. Well, this whole week is best of. I'm in Laguna Seca doing a car race, so... Uh, well, forget about the rest and relaxation, but uh, I'm going to have some fun, man, and an experience. So uh, we'll be back Tuesday, August 17th, with our first new live show. Until then, enjoy some of the best stuff we've had in the past, plus a little Geico. Do you own, do you rent your home? Well, you do one or the other, and you work hard. Then there's your automotive policy. How about you get your bundle working when you take your automotive and you bundle it up with your homeowner's or your renter's insurance. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the house. So go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save and how easy it is to save when you go to Geico. That's Geico.com, and get your savings on. Hello, and welcome back to Cruella Classics for Monday, August 16th, 2021. You know the show goes. Gio and I are going to take you through some highlights of the Adam Carolla show. And we appreciate you sticking around with us during the vacation that Adam Carolla's taking right now. But don't worry. He's back tomorrow with some fresh new stories and content. So one more episode of some clips here. My name's Chris Loxamana. I'm the executive producer of the Adam Carolla show. And with me, as always, Carolla archivist, super fan Giovanni. You know, we're actually one step away from virtual Adam. Adam's uh, long dream that he could record a series of non sequiturs and various clips and then just not show up to work. They used to try to love line with callers. Now he's has, you know, 3,100 episodes, so he can just generate new episodes out of all his old episodes. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody's made an AI Adam Carolla yet. <laughs> the there's, there's definitely enough content out there, so. 
Yeah, you should be. There's so many possibilities. We can we can do that. All right. Anyway, let's get going with some clips. Uh, this first one, we're going to go to September of 2011, and we got some deaf frat guy on the Adam Carolla show. Adam Carolla show 664. Uh, DFG, the only guest. This one was held for almost a month, which was common for remote shows or things that you just plug in later. Kind of an evergreen. It's from Adam's car. Uh, they're driving. DFG gives Adam a refresher on his frat brothers. It's very funny. Check it out. From Adam Carolla's car on the way to the Ontario Improv, this is the Adam Carolla Show. Today, Adam takes a road trip with the deaf frat guy. And now, the bro that Maverick puts before all the hoes. Adam Carolla. Well, this is truly an exciting moment. First off, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on. Mandate, get it on. And welcome to yet another on-the-road edition of the podcast. I'm excited because uh, there's a new man back in town, a new sheriff. Oh, he's been here before, but he's been out for a little while. Now he's back. I just picked him up from LAX. We have about an hour's drive ahead of us. And I thought it'd be nice to do an interview on the road with none other than DFG, the deaf frat guy. Good to see you, Maverick. Hell yeah, ain't A big prop for picking me up on the plane. I got a little bit wasted on the plane because I got access to the beer cart. And I sweet-talked at some of the stewardess lady. You, so the, you're flying coach, though, right? Yeah, but they started feeding me free beers once I explained to them that how a potato gun works. <laughs> they don't care how potato gun works. So one of stood, this gay dude was giving me this stink eye uh-huh. like I was some terrorist or some shit. And I was like, dude, mind your own business. You're, you're ruining my rap with the ladies. Oh, right, right. So so once you told them about the potato gun, they were feeding you the Coors Lights. It's all good, bro. It's all good. So uh, a little backstory: The deaf frat guy, I was introduced to the deaf frat guy many years ago. And then when I started doing my radio show out here on KLSX in Los Angeles and, and beyond, the deaf frat guy would be a regular performer on the show. Now, back then, you were a... Fourth year senior at USC, uh, the seventh year no, senior, sixth year senior, six year senior, and then it expanded six to seven to eight. And You're, dude, yeah. I got to say this is trippy, bro, because we're driving through traffic, and Ace is a really good driver, but like I want to watch the road, but my eyes are glued on his mouth like a like a lamprey, <laughs> like a lamp, right? Yeah, because you got to gotta read, yeah, you got to read lips. Yes, normally you'd be looking ahead. But in this particular instance, you're going to watch me watch my mouth as I change into into the left lane. So um, you were in town. You you ran Delta Fu. Um, Hell yeah, Delta Fu. You had a pretty good following, not only you know locally but but nationally as well. Bro, we had chapters in Canada. We still do, by the way. Uh huh. Mexico. Um, <laughs> Surprising number of California prison, uh, <laughs> yeah, chapters in prison, right? Corcoran State, right? Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of fans spread out. Yeah, I'll get cool letters from them, being like, you know, like, um, hey, here, here's my friend and I, my cellmate, we're partying down, drinking some Pruno, singing DFG songs, and maybe later I will fuck his ass o- over the toilet. 
Right, right. So lots of uh, tips of the cap from a lot of the fans spread out around the country. And um, there was, uh, you were dating Ashley at the time. I can't remember which, there's a couple of Ashleys. There was Ashley the Tridelt. Right. And then there was Ashley the one with the shaved bush. Right, right. But now the weird thing is, is that everybody rocked shaved bush. Right. So there's Ashley the tried out, mm-hmm. Ashley the one with the shaved bush, right. and Ashley the one that rocks the full on seventies muff. Oh really? Oh, so there's three Ashley three now. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there was a tried out and the one with the shaved bush, and I never could. It was always confusing which which Ashley we were talking about. Poochie hit all three of them. Bro. Oh really? Wow. And Poochie's uncle used to be in the radio game. I mean, he was on the he wasn't on the programming side. He was sales. He was sales, but he still knew. He had a lot of ideas for creative. Right, right, right. And he had, you know, uh, I mean, I, I took it as constructive criticism, but a few ideas of what could, some spots we could have improved in our radio show. He, he always thought that you were in danger of going morning zoo. Yeah, I thought we were a little overproduced. It was overproduced. Right, okay. And, but I, I, I don't want to dwell on the past, but so... You had your uh, uh, Delta Fu. Um, you you know you were you were pretty popular. Things were going pretty well. I had my boys, my crew. I had Poochie. Right. Uh, Poochie's, you know him. What I, I used to say, he was like Derek Jeter, but only five foot two. Right, like a short, but but that's why he got a lot of pussy, right? Dude, taunt man. The dude was nailing more trim than um, a barber or whatever, dude. Yeah, yeah right, I can't right. think. I'm kind of jet-lagged and I still understand. a little lit from the flight. Right, right. But he's like 5'2", looks like Derek Gina, so he used to get a lot of chicks. But now he gets even more chicks because he looked like um, a short of the situation. Oh, it looks like the, the Jersey yeah. Shore dude. Right, yeah. He used to look like a short Derek Jeter and now he looks like a, a less short situation. And chicks seem to respond to that. Right, oh also, yeah. Also I hear. Yeah, absolutely. So, that now that... And then there's Douchebagel, there's Mike F, Mike yeah, that, P. Um, who are some of the other cats? I can't remember. Sorry. Mike L. Mike L, all right. Mike F. Mike F, right. Uh, Mike McD. Oh, Mike McD, right. Oh, and then there was, uh, I forgot about Guy Dude Bro. Uh, That's his real name, right? Yeah, um. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. What the fuck was I up with that dude again? I don't know. I didn't want to say anything, but you told me you only let him in because his real name was Guy Dude Bro. Oh, yeah. It was like Italian or, or Romanian or something, like Dude Bro, but we're like Dude Bro, so we gave him the bid because right. he had a badass name, and you have to give him, yeah, Guy Dude Bro. Yeah. I think he um, became a um, like Muslim or something. Right. So it says Poochie, Douchebagel, Moose... Moose wasn't gay, but uh, every time he yeah, told me a story... Dude, he's killing it, bro. He brought all that Abercrombie and Fitch stock. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's doing good. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. He was, um, you know, he well, <laughs> it's a funny story. He got into that fight at Abercrombie and Fitch in what? the dressing room. I didn't know about that. There was a misunderstanding, but then he... He worked it. He worked an angle or whatever. They settled out of court, and they gave him a bunch of stock. 
Uh-huh. And so now he's doing good. Yeah, because he used to, like, hang out in the dressing rooms at Abercrombie. I'm like, dude, uh-huh. what's your problem, bro? He's like, I'm trying to get the right fit. Right. But, yeah, it seems, see, again, didn't you say he got wood during the halftime of the Super Bowl when Mick Jagger was performing? And he claims yeah, that he... he, he claimed that he just woke up. Right, like... It like, was morning wood. Right. But... The dude did not have wood when before Mick Jagger started singing and right. shaking that ass. Right, 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 right. So anyway, so it's the douchebagel Mike F, Mike L, Mike P, Mike Mick P, a lot of mics, and then and then the Red Moose and the rest of the dudes. And now you're back. Yeah, I do my Twitter thing once in a while, but sometimes like I'm trying to, you know, it gets so busy without like the support of other people around here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm back trying to maybe get DFG going. I you know, still sell some of those. Um, like right now, you're driving. Right. I bet you wish you could do a mini beer funnel. Like right. something yeah. that discreetly fits on your keychain of your car. Well, We're not what, what it was is you like to funnel beers, right? Hell yeah. And, you know, you just don't have the time or the space when you're driving to do a full funnel. But if you had a keychain size funnel... And let's say you got stuck in traffic and you wanted to funnel some brews, you could easily and discreetly do it by just having the DFG keychain funnel. Safely, too. We're not telling people go out and get wasted, drink a whole beer, but hey, man, it's you know, you're in your car, dude, you're stressed. Right. Drink a quarter of a brew and do it, do it the right way, bro. Hell yeah. Right. So, uh, funneling beers, uh, potato guns. We had those mini potato guns. Right. And then, uh, of course, there was your uh, arch nemesis. Blake Chambers. Blake Chambers, yeah. And what was his frat house? They were the... They were the elves? No, no, they no, were, no, I don't even want to say their name, dude, but they were Teagues. They were Teagues? Yeah, and they one time, they... Well, what was the deal with Blake Chambers? I don't know. Blake was the, you know, he's the typical rich douchebag who, you know, used to go around, you know, he's rich, good looking, get, the dude, I give him credit, he gets a lot of, pulls a lot of snatch. Right. I mean, so you do, you do admit that he pulls a lot of snatch. But dude, okay, so he's like, he's like, Maverick, tell your boys to clean up those pumpkins. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, you guys, Two you guys. Two weeks after Halloween. Right, you guys got into up those, it. I'm like, yeah, F you, dude. Right. Clean them up yourself if you if it's that big of a pain in your ass. Right. Well, you guys probably shouldn't have kicked those pumpkins. I don't know if you throw them on their lawn or what. They but, were mini pumpkins, uh, dude. Okay. Dude, grow up. Get on with your life, bro. <laughs> right. It's yeah, JV yeah. to be belly aching about a mini pumpkin. If it's a big pumpkin, yeah, it got a point. Yeah, but you're saying it's bush league to complain about the mini pumpkins. Yeah, the mini pumpkins. So the next thing we know... It's like, and we're having, we're doing a rush function, and then it's like, goddamn, um, I think Armageddon is happening. He's coming at us with. Oh, I say, you say you had a rush function. We are, yeah, we're pledging. You're it's pledging. Sacred time. You you don't attack a house when they're pledging. Yeah, when a house is pledging. No, that's like Ramadan. This is like fire and brimstone shit, bro. Uh huh. Windows breaking. You can't go. Rotten. Oh, I mean, I'm the whole purple. Every, girl. Ki- every kind of potato. Every kind of potato. Stuff that, stuff that had been 
I mean, there's no written rule. No, no Geneva You know, to send a you can't go to a, a, to a house window right. and not expect some shit to go down. Right, right. So, I know Mike F. take the fucking roster to the to the temple. <laughs> Mike F. Yeah, dude, he was out like, dude, Mike F. Lot of dudes think he'd never been the same since he took that <laughs> roster to the temple. I heard there was also a lot of tater tots going around and frozen ones too, which again, there's no Geneva Convention, yeah. but come on. Frozen tater tot, bro. That'll cut you. That'll cut you up, bro. They were trying to, you know. I know, I understand. There's a lot of malice in there. Frozen tater tots? No, nah, I mean, that's a weapon. It's, that's a weapon. You, you that's say a it's musk, a weapon. That's I a musket ball. League. That's a musket ball it's right bush there. It, it is a, a carb filled musket ball. The, the, the point it's, is this Blake Chambers crossed the line. Hell yeah. And I don't know if there's any problems with Ashley or which Ashley or if that was a part of the situation, but you had your differences with Blake Chambers and the Teak House. All right, then. I'm going to tell you a story. I, 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 I hope she's not listening. She's like a lawyer now. But before Ashley had the shape Bush, she was also, she was rocking as Stephanie Bush. Right. And I think Blake had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, bro, that's neither here nor there. Right, right. But you're saying Blake was tapping that? Yeah, he was tapping that, dude. And, well, right around the time I was hitting it. Oh, 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 I gotcha. And if you get my drift, there was a little bit of itching below the belt going on. Oh, I see. Maybe, like, cramps get passed back and forth or something. Yeah, someone... It's like he set her up to give yours truly the crabs oh he gave them to her so she would give them to you yeah dude it's like attack our house with the, the mini potatoes you know the potato tots you whatever dude right don't go biological on us <laughs> right. for yeah, what but... because of mini pumpkins dude right so get he was on out with your life bro he was out of line he's out of line so, uh, and the crest, I always love the uh, crest for uh, Delta Foo. I, I, but I can't exactly remember. I know there's an owl. The owl was for wisdom. Wisdom, right. The this would be on the crest, rabbit. you know, on the on the patch, on the jacket, on the flag. The yeah. jackrabbit was for um, uh, pro- productivity, you know, <laughs> like to... But that wasn't the owl. Re- the owl was vomiting, right? The owl was, the owl was puking on bile. <laughs> Which uh-huh. represented the bitterness of the schism from when we were expelled uh-huh. from the mother chapter at um, USC, which I can't say its name, or else they say they will sue my ass. Right, okay. Right. But it represents the bitterness. Uh-huh. So the owl, the wisdom, and the, the bile, the yeah. owl throwing up was the bitterness. Yeah, and the jackrabbit just, you know, like, keep fucking to right. reproduce. Right, right. Right, so it was, it was an owl, jackrabbit. Was there anything else on there? There was the the, the trumpet was the beer bong. <laughs> the, the, there was a oh, potato was gun crossed with the beer. With oh, the beer okay, funnel. right, right. Oh, beer funnel crossed, crossed with, with, the an potato gun. with the potato gun. Right, yeah, that was a good looking crest. <laughs> I missed yeah. that. 
I, I, the owl throwing up is something I wouldn't have thought of. You know, I would have, the owl, you know, that's that anyone could think of, but having the bile come shooting out of its mouth. You know? Moose got that tattoo, but man, with, the, with all the stretch marks, it does not it doesn't it look, look right. so hot. Moose a big dude, right? He's a big dude now, now that he, that he got all that Abercrombie stuff. <laughs> oh, I see. He got a lot of money, so he kind of softened up. Huh? But so, yeah. dude, long story short, I'm right. back here, like, trying to get my shit together because I had a, um, basically, a lot of crap blew up in my face again. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So you're back in, back in L.A. Yeah, I was doing the, the, you know, that camp that I did in the summer, every summer. Oh, wait you know, a I a counselor. Oh, you're a counselor? Yeah, you know, for kids with, um, you know, differently abled. That... Deaf-abled, what? Differently able. Differently able, like who had like uh, disabilities. Yeah, like you know, for example, like I went there. Right. But like, for example, this little shit, who you may remember um, by the name of Bobby Canning. Bob, yeah, Bobby Canning. I the remember that kid, name. You know, from Southie, South yeah. Boston, with a kid with progeria. Right, right, that kid, right. Never, but a, never a good word to say about any yeah, racial, don't, racial people. Don't, don't. Yeah, no, I know he's a Boston guy, and those guys that sometimes are that way. But what? But he had progeria? Yeah, he had the... It's a, the, it's a the Where you look old, you know, when you're 8 years old, but you look like you're 80? Yeah, but he's like 16, so he's... But, yeah, he looked pretty, pretty old. So he was the guy that would used to buy us beer all summer. Oh, oh because he looked old. Oh, he looked old. Never get carded. Right. Cool dude. Right. Showed us how to, like, break into cars. So you used, basically... You turned progeria into lemonade, essentially. I mean, you used the fact that he was 14 and looked hey, like he was 80. Bobby was a cool kid. He had a quick uh, wit... Uh-huh. Uh, very funny, kind of in a mean-spirited way. Right, a little racist. Cool dude, but dude, I hooked the guy up. I let him be the MC. See, every year we have a fundraiser, mm-hmm. and I am usually the MC. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm like, hey, Bobby, you deserve a shot, bro. Uh-huh. And then he tries to, to, then he turns it into an opportunity to turn into Roastmaster Jeffrey Ross. Oh, he starts going after you. Go, let, going after me to right. make me look bad in front of the board of trustees. R- right. So and you're supposed to... ripping on me for, for, like, boozing and shit. So you're supposed to... He thought he was going to... He thought he was just going to be an MC and you're going to raise some money for the camp. And the camp had all kinds of different people, different disabilities. Yeah, there, but these right? are Kids. like the these are like the rich parents and grandparents, the trustees, the people that keep it going. And I'm like wearing a suit, a tie. I'm wearing right. the you know the DFG pin. Right, right. And, he, and this guy opens up on you. Yeah, and then. I mean, is it? But they, were they laughing or? Hey, dude, this guy killed. Oh, all right. But I'm yeah, but not to me. No, not funny because to you. I lost. It. I was going to get the job to be the fundraiser, and then right. he's saying what a lust I am. Right, right. Then I'm going to go out. He said he had like all these jokes that the. the there was Do this, you remember any of the jokes? Yeah, well, I, I had to write them da- write them down. Oh, the, that's like one of them, you know. Did I graduated magna cum loaded? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. 
I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think that was the place for it. He but it's a funny line. He said that when pink elephants get wasted, they see me. <laughs> and I mean, this is all coming from a guy that looks like... But dude, he was not like laughing. He's like looking at me like he wants to slit my fucking throat. This guy... This little shit. This is coming from the guy that looks like the guy... Remember that crazy, scary, bald guy with the Swift, Swifty Lazar glasses who would dance... Uh, for the uh, Magic Mountain commercials, hell yeah, that, that's what it kind of looks like. Kinda that, like that, like little Freddy Krueger in there. Oh, right, right, all right. But, but small, he's but small. tough. He knows jujitsu. Oh, he's tough. Okay. But you know, he's like under, you know, the two two foot eight. Right, <laughs> but he's tough. Rants on, yeah. He, he he knows he knows Muay Thai, Muay Thai, and okay. Brazilian jujitsu. Oh, okay, all but right, he's but, like, you know, then he's like, um, oh, he, he's like. Oh yeah, Maverick's really good around the camp. Um, you know, um, he's good with his screwdriver, not the tool to drink. All oh, right, the, right. The right. only thing that he knows how to fix is a martini. Right, right, right. It's just a lot of material on on you drinking. But then he said one more thing that really pissed me off because I saved his ass one time when he was on the attack. What do you mean attack? His house was getting. Well, hold it. This is what he says. Okay, okay, first he says, Maverick was leaving. I can't imitate Bobby. Right, right, because your situation, <laughs> right, right. Maverick was leaving a bar the other night when he got held up by some Spanish dudes. Uh-huh. But that's, they, that's only so he could make it to his car to drive home. Oh, held up. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm like, too late to Right, to right, drive. like you couldn't walk. Right, yeah. Like, and and the, the, the dude That's doesn't funny. even know that Spanish, you know, yeah, Spanish guy. Spanish like, what, what do you expect them to bring out some tapas and, yeah. and maybe their bullfighting cape? Right, yeah, that doesn't make sense. So they, yeah, that, that, that's, that's BS. Tommy John. Apollo, Tommy John's newest, most advanced men's underwear. Performance-grade, dry-release fabric blend, exclusive to Tommy John. You cannot get this anywhere else. Apollo men's underwear proven to keep you drier and up to seven degrees cooler than regular cotton underwear. No more flopping, sticking, or chafing. Soft, supportive, and it's a stretch fit, and it's always a perfect fit. Available up to sizes of 4XL. Over 15 million pairs sold, and uh, I got to tell you, I defy you to find uh, any... uh, customer that is not satisfied with Tommy John. I wear them every day. I'm wearing them right now. Like all Tommy John underwear, Apollo comes with the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. Right, Dawson? Right now, get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Adam. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Adam for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Adam. Seaside for details. And that was Deaf Frat Guy giving Adam... A little roster breakdown of Delta Foo. There's so many characters. <laughs> there, there is. It's, it's pretty incredible. I want to hear it now. I need one of, of all the Ashleys. Oh wow, there's so many. <laughs> uh, it was such a, a staple of the KLSX morning show. It became like a beyond theater of the mind, where you kind of could picture these guys, these different characters, and sometimes he'd have guest voices show up for certain people. Uh, it's too bad that movie never got made, and whatever you dimension that was made, I want to live there. <laughs> Me too. 
All right, let's get going with our next clip. This is from April of 2017, and we're going to hear from Jay Chandra Sekar, who uh, most notably known as one of the Broken Lizard guys. Uh, loved him in uh, Beer Fest and, of course, uh, uh, Super Troopers. I love this dude and everything. Uh, yeah. He's quietly one of the funniest guests in the history of the Adam Carolla show. People forget he comes on. He just makes everybody laugh, and your, your face hurts from smiling. This one's from Adam Carolla Show 2054. Uh, this episode also had Vinnie Tortorich, Nanis Borshin, Gene DeGrand, Brian Bishop. April of 2017, it's Jay's full interview and the news. Check it out. It's time to check Adam's voicemail. Hi, Adam, Gina, Bald. I have a Bluetooth headset in my helmet, and uh, today while I was riding, I started cracking up during the March Molester Madness, and I crashed the fuck out of my motorcycle. And I hit the ground hard. I mean, really hard. I dimmed the gas tank, bit my handlebars, and now I have to call in to work tomorrow, and I just thought that you should know you're responsible for my motorcycle crash. <laughs> Keep up the good work. You're funny as fuck. Thank you. You can leave us a message at 888-634-1744. Jay Chandrasekhar. I think I got that. Nailed it. Mustache Shenanigans, name of the book. Good to see Jay. Always good to see Jay, you know, from Broken Lizards Club and all the movies and all the uh, everything. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm just going down the list of things here about when Jay moved here and how he went to Colgate. I was going to be a brain surgeon or heart surgeon and all that stuff. And at some at the bottom, it says while the film was in development uh, in development hell. This is Super Troopers. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, and Super Troopers is one of those movies that probably cost what and grossed what? It may it was made for one point two million and it it profited Fox roughly eighty to ninety million. Yeah, that is a real um lightning in a bottle kind of situation. It says Jay was asked to edit Mitch Hedberg's and then it says uh Los Enchiladas. <laughs> That's a comedy special? He uh I was living in New I York. Love Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, he way. was amazing. I was living in New York, and his um, he and I had the same manager, Dave Miner. And Dave called me and said, "Mitch Hedberg has a movie, but it's two and a half hours long, and they're trying to get it ready for Sundance. And can you just sit with him and can you edit the film with him?" And I, I had edited. I was, I'm an editor. I've edited eight movies, and so I said, "Sure." So he came over, and uh, we sat in a room and. We started cutting his movie, and he even in a like a dead dark room, he wore yellow sunglasses, <laughs> and uh, he's you know he was the same as he was on stage in terms of rhythm. He had a very you know deliberate and weird little rhythm to his jokes. He'd get up every I'd say fifteen minutes and come back reeking of grass, mm-hmm. and it was literally every fifteen minutes. So I was like, hey buddy, you know you could just smoke right in here, and we'll get a lot more done, and so. That's what we did. We'd sat in this dark room and smoke grass and cut his movie. And the movie is? Los Enchiladas. It's about him working at a um, Mexican restaurant in the Minneapolis suburbs. And basically, he's him. But, I mean, you know, David Tell is in the movie and uh, Marin's in the movie. Uh, Barry, Todd Barry's in the movie. And, and so 
He basically played up like a worker who worked behind the counter, and they do stuff like they'd go in the um, the freezer and they'd smoke grass in the freezer. And so I'd be watching these scenes with him and his his actual girlfriend was in the movie too, and they'd be in a scene together and they'd be smoking a joint. And I'm like, hey, is that that real grass? And he go, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, so he'd he'd be doing the lines right, and then we do he'd do take two, smoking a new joint, and the, slowly. The lines would just get quieter and slower, and the you know there'd be by take four they're they're kind of looking at each other. Is it your is it your line? Is it mine? Like right. they, you know, they're being recorded, right? By take six, the two of them were just literally standing there looking at each other <laughs> and smoking. <laughs> and I was like, "How'd you get anything done?" He goes, "Man, it was, it was hard. It was hard." It is. I've always said this, but I I had it. It, it happened once when we were talking about. Uh, Remember when, remember when David Arquette used to be nuts? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back in the old days. Well, he's not known for like being nutty he's anymore, eccentric. but he he's was eccentric. like really, yeah, yeah. really yes. nuts. Yes. But I just had the same question about like Andy Dick and stuff like that. Like, how is it that you can be so high and so out of your mind on everything and so nuts and so everything? And you still show up at like the MTV Awards, go out, hit your mark and read the teleprompter. Like, how do you? It's it's amazing what we can do jacked out of our brains and, and actually, like, make a living. Like, th- there's people that are insane in this. But, you know, when Andy Dick was at the height of his drug-addled insanity, mm-hmm. he was still hammering checks for him mm-hmm. being on a sitcom every week. Like, you just think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you just think, like, how does he somehow, do it? Like, yeah. how does Mitch Hedberg like, get it and find his way to the club, do the bit, you know, do Andy an hour Coffin. set? Andy Goffin was the All, A lot of these and, guys. Andy Dick, I was coming out of my kids' schools like a, like a meeting at night. And so I'm driving out of the school at about, about 10, 15 in the, in the evening. And I'm trying to get up the, you know, out of the basement parking structure. And I, and I pull up to the sidewalk and a guy pulls up and stands there with a shopping cart. And it's Andy Dick, who I've never met, right? <laughs> and he looks at me, and he's kind of making these sort of sexual faces at me. And then he comes around to try to get in my car. And I'm, I roll the window down. I'm like, Andy, no. <laughs> and he goes, whoa. Like, he was shocked that I recognized him. And then he just kind of, like, twirled away and got the cart and just pushed it off. Doesn't sound like Andy Dick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but the next morning he was on set somewhere. <laughs> and, and he was and he was re- he was regurgitating lines and that's the weird did now so he didn't recognize you. I don't think he did. I think he was looking to jump in a dude's car and and see what happened. <laughs> All uh, the dice. Well, hey, can I say this too uh, while we're being crazy and hammering a pay- paycheck? Getting high out of your mind and like sleeping outside and stuff, you don't get stabbed nearly as much as you you think you would. You know what I mean? Like, well, is everyone everyone thinks? Oh, if you get if you get out of your mind on drugs and you jump into some dude's car, you're going to end up in a in a shallow grave somewhere in the desert, right, or whatever it is. But evidently, you can do a lot of that before you get your first stabbing. Yeah. I mean, how many times has Andy Dick been out yeah. of his mind and done something that your mom would tell you if you'd done once, you'll end up you know, missing That's a really limb, and point. he just does it? I mean, the, the reality is, is I don't know. It's like it's my, maybe it's my theory. What do you think, Jay? What in in terms of like the hitchhiker versus the person that pick, picks up the hitchhiker? Who's more potentially dangerous? I think the person who picks up the hitchhiker is the one who's in more trouble. Mm. I mean, uh-huh. the hitchhiker they're used to yeah. like 
close quarters fighting, you know. Yeah. They're used to making ugly deals. Has there ever been a scene in a movie that involved a hitchhiker that turned out just fine? Oh, wow. No. The jerk? I think no, they went about sir. five feet. Yeah, the, hitch, the, the jerk. The jerk. You're right. <laughs> to the end of the fence? That's oh, right. maybe that's it. <laughs> that's, yeah. right. that's the best example. Even in Showgirls, <laughs> she ended up duking it out with the, with the dude. That's right. She was a little spark plug. Yeah, Nomi Malone. Nomi, yeah. She got picked up by some dude. By the way, when you're 22 and hot and a dude picked and you're wearing spandex and a dude picks you up, uh, don't be surprised yeah, yeah. if his hand slides across <laughs> onto your thigh at some point. Be surprised if it doesn't. Yeah. She was have you seen that movie recently or you just have a real strong memory? of showgirls uh both <laughs> and what'll happen is is i i watch it as a mosaic you know like i'll i'll, mm-hmm. I'll turn it on and i'll go oh here's the part where robert madavi or whatever davi the winemaker robert davi the the club owners yeah. talking about hey if a guy gets his dick out and he wants to rub it in your ear, okay. you let him do it. <laughs> and uh, if the guy finishes and blows a load in your salad, you finish. Okay? <laughs> and you take the tip. And it's like the creepiest scene of all time. And if I, if I know I'm anywhere near that scene, I'm watching that scene. And if I see the beginning, I'll just watch the part where the... Where the uh, guy from Montana like picks uh-huh. her up, like the cowboy guy, just just so they get into town, or she meets the black guy who can dance real good, you know. I can't that confirm guy. the Hallmark, salad part, so. but that was word for word what he said. <laughs> Gary, you got to find that scene with Robert. I'm pulling it off my iCloud right now. <laughs> it's it's okay. Two minutes. It's okay. It's, it makes me laugh every time. Uh, oh, so Jay, the book. Ah, oh, sorry. Yeah, there we go. Uh, mustache shenanigans is the name of the book. It's available now on Amazon, and if you bookmark us and click through our site, it'll be uh, win-win. Also, uh, dates, doing live dates. Yeah, I'm uh, about to go up to Raleigh, uh, to Good Nights in Raleigh-Durham this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, stand-up stories, signings? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of, I do stand-up stories. I tell, um, uh, I also about tell, tell about 15, 20 minutes of the stories from the movies. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. And then I, you know, I sign books. That'll be uh, coming up this Thursday. And then uh, Arlington Cinema and Draft House. That's coming up in uh, Virginia, Arlington. Uh, there you go. Oh, i got something here. All right. Uh, oh, uh, Gary wants to know about uh, Super Troopers 2. Yeah. Uh, oh. I'll tell you yeah, about that. Tell me about that. The uh, <laughs> film is, uh, we've cut the film, and my friends in the band, the Eagles of Death Metal, are doing the yeah. score right now. Yeah, we just saw the documentary on that. I haven't seen that yet. Is it is it brutal? Is it hard to watch? N- not surprisingly, no, yeah. for some reason. But There's emotional parts, but it's, uh, it's, it's really about the love between those two guys. There's a real bromance going on in that movie. Yeah. And Josh and uh, Jesse, is it? Yeah, it's Jesse. Jesse right? yeah, yeah, and everything, I don't know, I think it's like any documentary, just... It feels like a documentary feels good, like to know information that you didn't have right. before, you know, and oh my God, and oh wow, and leading up into it, and you know, because you get the little snippets on the news and stuff like that. So, yes, good documentary. Yeah. Uh, so, watch it. I will. And then when you run into Jesse, you got to go, you watched it. Right, 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 right. right. I just have a oh, like, hard time watching those. Uh, like, I didn't watch. The nine eleven movie, and I didn't watch Boston Strong or whatever that yeah, was. Yeah. And, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm ah. with you completely. I woke up this morning, it's like, hey, this guy's on Facebook and he yeah, shoots this no. old man, and, and I'm like, I that. want none of nothing to do with this. And also, like when people go, well, aren't you curious? I'm like, I would, I'm imagining it's an old guy getting shot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm, this yeah. is not. 
something where you go, like when someone, like if someone goes, they found a new creature in the sea that had been undiscovered. And then someone goes, well, what's it look like? Well, it looks a little like a manatee, but it's not, but it's more like an alligator or something. I go, I'm in. Yeah. Like I want, I have never, I want to see what this thing looks like. Then I'll be disappointed and pissed off at how it was described and built up to me, but I will want to see it. But if it's say, hey, this guy gets a compound fracture after he falls off the balance beam or whatever, like I'm like, nope, I got it. Unfortunately, I just pictured it. But I I will watch, like, they recently had a a thing where an alligator grabs an elephant's uh, trunk. Uh huh. And I'll watch those kind of things. (gasps) Yeah. Animals fighting in the wild. Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was like gay code or something. Like, you want Andy Dick or something? (laughs) 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 That's a bench seat. A bear and a silver fox are fighting. (laughs) I'm not going to say who wins, but. (laughs) All right. uh, The. uh, So, oh, sorry. So, Super Troopers 2. well, well, shot. Yeah, and so uh, Fox is picking a release date, and we'll know uh, it'll be sometime in the next six months, I imagine. Is it? And it's and it's cut. It's done. It's done. It's all done. We've tested it. Oh, really? We've shown it to about five hundred people. It's an. It's you know, even though everyone makes fun of testing for like sitcoms mm-hmm. and and stuff like that, when you're making a movie, it's good to show people the movie because they'll tell you. This didn't make sense yeah. to me. And you'll go, oh, that's right. We cut out the whole yeah. setup to this part. Right. And we forgot that we cut it because it happened so slowly that yeah. we cut it out. Right. So in your mind, you have the setup or you know who this guy yeah. is or what's going on or what that reference was. But, I don't, And I don't get why people give that such a hard time. Before something goes to Broadway, it's in Chicago. It's in San Francisco. Well, They're doing I'll rewrites. Tell you why. Because the films don't – some films that don't test well still do really well. Mm. And so what happens is if your film doesn't test well, the studio then loses all confidence and then they stop supporting it and then the film just dies. And so, you know, like Spielberg doesn't test because he doesn't have to test. But if you tested all his films, some of them wouldn't do as well as the others. I mean, that's that's the reason why people don't want to test. How'd the testing go? Incredibly well. I knew it because you brought it up. Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. of course I brought it up. I mean, it's like one of those things. And now the studio's like, hey, this is going to be good. So, right. It's, oh, good. So it's, they'll get behind it. You know, look, that film was like, um, <laughs> to some degree, it's been a while, right? It's been a while. So you could, you could, I think, and it, people had this sort of emotional attachment to it because they watched it a bunch of times with their friends. And so if we made a bad one, it would be just like doubly embarrassing, right? Yeah. And so far that hasn't been the response. No, it's 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 true. Like when you do, you know, Blues Brothers two thousand, it's doubly bad because well, it's just on TV. Too, the yeah. first one is so iconic and yeah. so good, or Jaws two, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's not just a bad movie. It's a bad. You've gone so far from it's, it's, from it's a turducken of bad <laughs> movies. Yep. Oh, here's uh, yeah, here's uh, back Strap backstage in. at the uh, strip joint. Here's the famous speech. You need more paint? Oh, oh thanks, Heather. Yeah. Have you ever done a lap dance before? No. You gotta talk him into it, eh? Fifty bucks a pop, you take him in the back. Touch and go. They touch, they go. You can touch them, they cannot touch you. That's good. Now, if they come, it's okay. If they take it out, come all over you, call a bouncer. Unless he gives you a big tip. If he gives you a big tip, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you got that? Okay. And you, where the fuck were you last night? I was having my period, Al. You don't want me to get blood all over the place. Do you? 
You're in real time of your shit, kid. If you want to last longer than a week, you give me a blowjob. I hear it's the... First I get you used to the money, then I make you swallow. <laughs> I heard the campus of Google's exactly the same. <laughs> Can we watch this whole movie? It's so good. <laughs> Where is HR? <laughs> Where's office? She, yeah. she gave I, the most heartfelt speech introduction before this movie when I saw it at an open, you know, Cinespia, and she really still loves this movie. Elizabeth Berkeley. Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. Did you know there was a sequel? What? Oh, yeah. Show Women. Blues uh, Brothers. Two Show Girls 2, Pennies from Heaven. Because <gasps> oh. that's Penny. That's yeah, that... the... <gasps> mm. Was she in it as well? Got some uh, signed watching to do uh, <laughs> this evening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, jeez. Right. Yeah. All right. No one we've heard of uh, in it. Weber. All right. Uh, so, the movie's coming out. Movie's cut. Movie's tested. And we're looking for just a date. Release date. And some of that is based on, like, we want to do around the holidays, or we want to do around when I other... I don't really know. I mean, they have so many movies out. to figure out where we slot in, and, you know, we don't want to go against Iron Man 8 or whatever the hell that is. Or, right. You know, you want to try to put it in the right spot. I was just uh, at the theater uh, last night, and we all went to go see uh, Hate 8, Fast 8, Friendship 8, and, and Hate, and whatever. And uh, every single trailer... First off, all the trailers are exactly the same movie mm-hmm. now. It's all about sound and smash cuts and whatever. But all the, whether it's the mummy or whether it's something uh, or the new Transformers or whatever, they're all the same. They're the same trailer. There's a like, lot of there. There yeah. is not. They've gotten very. They're just streamlined. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly what it is, but they're all like the same movie. Hmm? It, they all feel. It, it doesn't matter if they took place in Persia and two thousand years ago, or takes place in the future. Two thousand years from now, it's all yep. the same. It feels like the same movie. It does. It does. It's like this. I mean, I don't mean to be to harp on it, right? But this, like the the corporations bought movie companies as to have a fun little media piece. And then, you know, then they, then these Iron Man movies made 400 to 800 million dollars and they're like, oh, we can make some real money on these things. And then they turn them all into the same thing. Yeah. I mean, they want these films to work, uh, in China and India and all these other countries. And so they're only making movies that can make that much money and they're that big and with that many effects and they all look the same now. Well, it's kind of interesting. And I, I guess it's like, in a way, like a franchise, like Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's, like hey, it's about consistency. No, you know what you're going to get every location, and and you start looking, and I, you know, we have 325 million people in this country, and India and China have billions. billions. Yeah, yeah, so and everyone's got money and put the fannies in the seats, and I think they're kind of looking. Beyond yeah. our yeah. our shores for this stuff, I agree with you. It does feel like I mean the the Fast Eight or whatever that was, the Fate that yeah. is the biggest opening movie in the world ever. Really? Yeah. It's uh, I, I believe it. I got uh, sixty bucks of my money, mm. but I couldn't believe how expensive it was. But uh, any good? Uh, yeah, I was like I I had it in the uh, in the middle. I I had a a long lunch with the Chris Morgan, the guy who wrote it, and it made me not want to say anything negative about it. Uh-huh. But I put it in the middle of the of the pack. That's generous. All right, 
It was, <laughs> you know, it's like it, it's become. It's all about the action, and it's it's Brian reviewed them as sur- superhero movies, which they are, and yeah. it's all about the action. They have just given up on the story. I mean, a large part of the story hinges on the story from the last movie. It's become aware of itself, yeah. and then it's just sort of giving everybody what they want. Which is just more of right. more of it. Yeah, and you have invincible people doing impossible things. It's a superhero movie for all intents and purposes. Yeah, but there was a time when it lived in some reality. Yes, it's about and even racing. though the stuff was sort of fantastical, it still lived in some place that had gravity. Mm-hmm. But so now that not now so much that, anymore. Now that there's eight of them, is it at least kind of is it kind of funny, winky, like they're in on the joke? Yeah, or it's no? just it's it, it's what I mean. It's it's back to it's back to. Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's like it's not good fried chicken. It's just their fried chicken. And you're when you you think about it, when you're craving that, you're craving that. You know, it's like they're they're uh, you you know like their coleslaw is bad, but it's theirs, and and you crave it. And it and a weird way, you sold. It's bigger than what Mama's making in the kitchen. They could throw a story in there too, though. That wouldn't wouldn't kill them. I agree. I'll tell that to Chris next time, <laughs> next time we next time we speak. Yeah, I I agree that that you could you can do both, and uh, I I just wonder if I do think the more you test things, like I've done stuff where you where you test things, and three times in the course of this project, somebody said three right. times, fool. Yeah, you said. You're my stepson. If you were my real, you know, if you were my real son, I would have this, that, and the other. But you're my stepson. That's different. And then at some point, they get a lot of feedback. Like, that was confusing. Was it his son? Was it his stepson? And it's like, and then they'll go tell you, go change it. And you'll go like, well, it's really not confusing if you're paying yeah, attention. Right. It's, it was said out loud. So story can confuse people sometimes. And... A note of I was confused is a big fat thumbs down. And I think they're trying to remove all yeah, remove of the... story from the movie business. Uh, take that confusing line of dialogue, replace it with an explosion. And no confusion. The problem is, is that right. it, it worked un, it worked better than it's ever worked in the history of any movie. So Right. So it's the number one movie of all time. Of all of opening. Of all opening. time. Opening. Yeah. Well and, and because that's a worldwide thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why they're always they're always smart because they're like, oh, we're in Cuba, and then we're in uh, England, and then we're in you know New York, yep. and so they're always oh, that's At all that of angle, us, everybody. Yeah. Yep. All right, what did make uh, opening weekend, uh, Gary? Or uh, maybe Jay knows. I don't know. Five hundred million <laughs> worldwide, some absurd number. It's absurd. It's insane. All right. Uh, anyway, the wife loved it. Oh, good. Yeah, and Lynette loved it. The kids had a good time. Five thirty-two. Yep. Gary's told and. Uh, and so now I'm like, all right, we got seven more to. Oh yeah, to watch. Oh, they'd be stupid to yeah stop anytime soon. No, not them. I'm talking about Lynette. Uh, she's got to go back. Gotta go backwards. <laughs> she's got to go backwards. Star Wars franchise. Yeah, yeah. this is You're the like first this. one she saw. First one. Oh, she got to see the prequels. The, Which would you say out of all eight is the one to see if you've never seen one? Uh I think the best one to me was four. Is that oh. where they went? Where they stole the safe in yeah. South America? Oh. Mm. Was Did they drift four? in that one? Five? That's Wait. Tokyo Drift might no. be three. I think that's five. Oh, okay. oh five. The four is the one where at the very beginning they're stealing gas. 
on the tunnels. Yeah, that, yeah, one's, called, that one's called Fast and Furious. Right. Six or seven is where they really sort of hit that formula. Like, oh, this is what we are. This is okay. what we're going for. They finally figured it out? I think so. <laughs> Fast Five. Self- I, I, I truly think so. Fast Five is, I yeah, think that's, that's my a, favorite. That's a very good one. And it has got, got, some, got some story and some twists and yeah. some stuff in there. All yeah. Right. All right. All right. Should we do a little news? Let's do it. Give you the news with Grad. News with Gino Grad. Great. Viral, all those crazy Trump tweets. Give me news with Gina Grad. Trouble in the Middle East. Celebrity drunk meltdowns. Give news with Gina Gina Grad. The news with Gina Grad. Well, Jeff Varner, the Survivor contestant who was unanimously voted off the show last week after unexpectedly revealing that another competitor is transgendered, lost his real life job as a result of this episode. I'll show you the the clip now and then I'll fill you in. Why haven't you told anyone you're transgender? I just asked random people that. What I'm showing, by the way, to see if they're saying anything. But that's personal. It, that it has nothing to do with the game. That's personal. You didn't have to do that. That is so wrong for you to bring that up. I'm not using that as anything negative. That has nothing to do with the game. That's personal. I'm not knocking him. That's not deception. You just... Yeah, that was just to reveal to whom he wanted. I argue for the rights of transgender people every day in the state of North Carolina. I would never say or do anything to hurt anyone here. Jeff, I'm arguing for my life. I feel like I've got to throw everything at the wall. Outing somebody is... I'm not uh, outing him. You are... Yes, you are. Just outing him. Does nobody have the right to out anybody? Who's the guy who's yelling at? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen this. Uh, scary. He may have just been a guy who was on the island and still thinks World War II is going strong. Like, you see the start every joke. third episode of, of Gilligan's Island. This is a Japanese general. He's still here. He thinks the war is still going on. I guess those jokes have sort of aged out, but there is a good 25-year yeah, window good where run. they could have yeah. they had a pretty good run from like, I don't know, 45 and a half to maybe 70s. 71, yeah. 72. Yeah. Or to Vietnam, really. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Until about 75. Yeah, it's a good run. <laughs> well, so this Varner guy, Jeff Varner, he was a real estate agent in Greensboro, North Carolina, working for a company that didn't like what they saw on this episode, uh, which was filmed last year, by the way, only aired last oh. Wednesday. The company said Varner was, quote, in the middle of a news story that we don't want anything to do with. Maybe they they didn't like the fact that he was trying to sell commercial real estate (laughs) and never stopped being an advocate for transgendered people. Like that, as a boss, I'd be like, hey man, could I cut into your transgendered (laughs) advocacy (laughs) and have you sell Sell an apartment every once in a while? Especially (laughs) North Carolina. That's a hot button issue. Please stop coaching up, especially if some religious clients. Please stop preaching. He he did say he's been swimming in guilt ever since, but now Mm. he's got a little extra time to do that. So what did he mean by being an advocate for the this community every single day back he home? Didn't, he didn't clarify. Because he said it like for, he was out, you know, barking on yeah, the corner or something. Yeah, every single day. What a boast. It, I have yeah. no idea. It's possible that he's an out gay man. Is he? Ooh, he did. <laughs> now you're going to lose your job. Yeah, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> he did... He did strike me as I did have the gay thing. Like yeah, I went like, oh, he seems. I think he might be gay. I don't know. It's possible. It's hard to yep. maintain. There it is. I got to tell you, I'm pretty good gaydar. But if we're going to leave you on an island with no razor <laughs> yeah. and no grooming products for six months, I'm my my gaydar is going to shut down. Like I cannot. <laughs> 
I got to see a pushed cuticle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something plot. It's like they're using the gator at the North Pole. It's going to spin around. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to make of this. So he's gay. He's gay and has a boyfriend. And this was, you know, right around the time that North Carolina was very much. The bathroom this was a year gender ago, laws. The bathroom yeah. thing was going on. Okay. So that could have been why he said that. Now. Is he allowed to sue for wrongful termination? I mean, I don't feel like you're you're allowed to get fired for something you did on a reality show if they give you that as a reason. Yeah. You know well, what I'm saying? If he has his face on a bus bench with their name on it, they don't want anything to do with him because he's getting bad press. Yeah. This week on Reasonable Doubt. Yeah, I'm going to oh, ask yeah. him. Because also... You know, it is a show where you're just supposed, you know, people routinely lie to one another right. and do all, you know, eat maggots and like, right. it's, it's like do anything you can. Mm. And I guess that was part of what he was doing. And Gina mentioned that he was a realtor, which means I- I'm wondering if it wasn't a full time salary job. It was more of a uh, commission based. Yeah. What, what do they call it? Like a consult, not consult me. You know what I mean? Like a. Mm-hmm. So it's our part time. Commission based didn't word, do it yeah. for you? No, I guess not. <laughs> I'm missing no. the word, but... uh, So there you go. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, still smarting from Wait, the Wait, how does she know? He knew the guy was transgender. Yeah, he must have opened up to him during some sort of alliance. Yeah, that's what I've read is that they had privately they made chit-chatted. A, they made a sweet alliance. But, you know. They made a big deal of Sweet's it, but they line. aired it. Like, they could have yeah. kept this one. Oh, no, this is a Absolutely. ratings juggernaut. Yeah, so they they knew what they were doing. Yeah, all right. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, still smarting from the PR. I'm going to try that if I ever go on Survivor. <laughs> I'll just point at any random guy or gal and go, "Look, we know your secret. You're transgendered." And Why then, are you not being honest with us? Then they'll start arguing, what? and I'll go, "Stop <laughs> living in denial." And I'll go, "Now who can you trust? Because they won't even come to grips with the fact that they're transgender." It's obvious to everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's more insulting if I do it to a woman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, it's yes, more insulting. Course. Yeah. Well, still smarting from the PR nightmare of having the video go viral of a passenger being dragged from one of their planes, United Airlines has changed its policy and will no longer give staff last-minute seats on full flights. Now, crew members will have to get a seat at least an hour before departure, check in, make sure they're all ready to go. A United spokesman said that the change was done to make sure that an incident like the recent episode never occurs again. Oh, and I also heard on the way here that I believe it's Delta is now... Allowed to offer as much as $10,000 for a seat. But that's just a brilliant PR move, right? Well, I didn't, I didn't think as that was much legal. As means. I well, didn't know you could go as high as 10000 First off, there was a rule in the law like it could only go to a certain height, with a certain number. Or, yeah, which it seems really counterintuitive. Seems yeah, like any business can should be able to do whatever they want. I was going to say, well, don't you make your own policy? Isn't the thirteen fifty? No, but everything that has to do with airlines... A lot of that stuff is regulated, taking place inside the airport, so on and so forth. So, like, I guess they put a ceiling on it. I I don't know why. But here's what I can guarantee you. Uh, Lots of ass wipes trying to figure out ways to get money from Delta and or other airlines now to to remove themselves from playing. Like, there's going to be people booking themselves on flights to Orlando that don't know anyone in Orlando (laughs) and have no business in Orlando, right? That'd be a nice dice roll, yeah. Yes. There's another, it might be American, I don't know off the top of my head, Uh, one of the other major airlines says their rule now is that once everyone's on the plane, there is no offering uh, people money to get out. Once you're on, you're on, and the people who didn't get on, that's their tough luck. Well, it should be, I mean, all that stuff's got to take place at the gate. I mean, yeah. once you get on, 
it's hard to yeah, it's hard to un- hard unring that yes. bell. Although yes. I have to say, I've done it once, and it was the most romantic, exciting thing I've ever done in my life. Giving up your seat? Yes, I was in New York visiting my boyfriend. I was in college, and I didn't want to leave him, and I was so sad, and I was crying at the gate, and I'm crying in my seat, and this little old lady asked if I'm okay, and then they start saying like, "The plane's overbooked." You know, does anyone want to give up their seat? And I was like. Ah! I do. And they gave me like 200 bucks. They ran off the plane and my boyfriend was still there. And I stayed there another two days. Missed a final. But it was worth it. It was really fun. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of romantic. It was cool. Never done it since, though. Would you uh, Would you have let yourself get dragged off like that, Dr. Dow? <laughs> no, I wouldn't need to. I would bound off myself. No, but I mean, if Just you in didn't general, want no, to get off. I'm not, no. Why would you do that? I guess because you're like, why are you picking me? Like, what did I do? There are all these people here. I'm already in the seat. What are you doing? But would you go limp? I would never go limp. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't. I think if they were physically going to carry me off, I'd just get up and go, okay, fine, you win. Yeah. I played yeah. chicken with you and I lost. Right. Fine. Yeah, that's what you have to do eventually. Well, and technically, just so we're clear, even though it happened on a United plane, United flight attendants weren't the ones that dragged the guy off. The Chicago police force at the, air, uh, the airport did it. Yeah, I I agree. And in a weird way, I mean, it's just we have a society that we don't even <clears throat> I remember remember once um god, I was on the cover of like a Asian Weekly magazine or something. It's like of the, course. the worst round-eyed person on the planet <laughs> right. because It was the worst of the year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. won the yearly award. Um Dave Damashek made a joke on my morning show that was like a bit he did like a bit like a ching chong bit and i never wrote it i never heard it i never yeah. did anything about it but the asian excellence award today aired and dave's like let's hear a clip and it was just <laughs> someone going <laughs> someone's just recording someone saying ching chong ching chong right and, oh, it was like abuse it abuse it stupid joke as insensitive i was more angry that it wasn't funny yeah. Yeah. rather than the insensitivity part but I remember like people are like, all right, you need to apologize and you need to this and you need to be on the cover of this magazine and everything else. And I'm like, at a certain point, I go, you do understand I didn't do any of this. Like I was, yes, it was, it's called the Adam Carolla show and Dave wrote a bit and I don't vet every, like people go, I got a funny sports bit or I got a funny whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't got time to listen to everyone's pre-recorded whatever. And I kind of feel that way with uh, United, like at a certain point, yeah, bad, it was a bad idea. But obviously, three of the people just got up and left and took their voucher, and the fourth guy didn't, and he went limp, and you know they called the security, and and if, obviously we're not talking about it if that guy doesn't go limp and refuse to get off the plane, and this wasn't somebody who was employed by United getting him off the plane. This is just the popo and the and the police. Like this is them. That's yeah. that's their plane, but it's. Them with yeah. the hands on city of Chicago on the guy. Right, like yeah. I know United can never stop apologizing, but a little bit needs yeah. to swing a little direction of the dude who picked the dude out of the, the plane and dragged him down the, the yeah. down the thing. The, Correct. He was not an employee of United. No, he was not. So I'm saying, like, this is a fair bit of shit United's getting for a non. They're I mean, they 100. They should be getting about 85. Yeah, I'm saying they got the ball rolling by saying, "Hey, we got to clear this yeah. stupid policy." Got They're the ball yes. rolling, but all. 
the film that we're all incensed about is not a United employee. Asian Week is uh, Googling your image to put on a a new uh, uh, issue of uh, Asian Week. (laughs) They're like, we're going to put it back on. Yeah, we never sold more units. We, We tested it. We had Andy Dick and that uh, transvestite guy from Survivor, but uh, the most units moved were with Corolla, so we're going to get them. Devil, where are they now? Edition. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. I I I may have joined uh, the ranks of Sarah Silverman and other comedic greats uh, who got on that. uh, I still wasn't unclear what that magazine was, but I was delighted by it. Framed copy. I have a copy. I did get a copy. Please frame it. Ching chong, ching chong. It's the stupidest bit. I love it. It's the stupid. I love it. It's Asian Week, and uh, it's the voice of Asian America, and uh, her time is now. So some some stories, you know, and then there's uh, then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> it's great, but it's like imagine if somebody like there's some Asian guy and he's just reading his Asian weekly and he's and he's had a couple of pops right. and he's really pissed off and he decides to take the law into his own not hands. on my watch. And his grandfather still has the bayonet from World War II. He's the guy who thought the war was yeah. still going on, and he runs it through the Ace Man. I mean, they got blood on their hands at that point because I didn't do anything. I just Damn sat smugly preening. That's right. I just sat here while uh, he did his bit. All right. Well, the president of Penn State University recently threatened to get rid of fraternities on campus altogether because the party culture has gotten out of control. Ooh, I wonder yeah. if I could spin that into a positive, like if I was ever trying to land a job with some sort of Asian-owned corporation, and I, mm-hmm. I don't have the exact cut, I don't carry around the uh, magazine with sure. me, but I was featured in an article on Asian Weekly, so I think it's fair to say I'm known in the community. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, we know. (laughs) (laughs) Did I mention I'm a big fan of Hyundai? (laughs) (laughs) All right, sorry. Well, just this month, nine of the university's 82 frats were busted during Parents Week for boozing, uh, breaking all kinds of rules, ranging from underage drinking to throwing parties without a license. Even some of the parents were visibly drunk with the kids. So the president has decided to crack down or at least launch a campaign to get things under control. Drunk with the parents means they were being supervised. Yeah. Yeah, Good point. Very good point. And by the way, I don't like the way this sounds, uh, throwing a party without a license. Yeah, these are very minor offenses as someone who is familiar with fraternity offenses. I'm saying it sounds very Orwellian to me, like you've got to pull a permit. Oh, yeah, big brother. Having fun without a permit. Yeah. That's not double plus good. Throwing a party without a license feels uh, just a little un-American. Jay was in a fraternity. I was. And... um, one of the fraternities got in trouble, and so they created this licensing system where we had to issue the, uh, you know, we were going to have a party this night. And so they'd send two, yeah. uh, like, older women from the town to sit at a table. But we just, there was no difference in behavior. You had to register your <laughs> really? and then the, Yeah, we registered. And then the next year, they were just gone. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh. still all the same debauchery would go down. Yeah. And these two women would just sit there. <laughs> And they're like, oh, gee, this is a pretty good party. They're from upstate New York. <laughs> I always think, like, they always, you always see them in the movies and stuff like that. But um, you know when they have, like, supervised visits, like where the court-appointed so-and-so oh, yes. has to stand there mm-hmm. with the dad so he can be with his supervised son or whatever? Visitation. Yeah. This got to be the weirdest gig on the planet, like, standing there while they're they're having a catch or like whatever whatever's going on with the father and the son or the mom and the yeah. daughter Trying like to be invisible uh, but you're there certain, to prevent some sort of like 
abuse, right? Isn't that the I issue? guess, but they're there to visit each other. So, oh, like, yeah. they might want to go watch a sporting event on TV or something. Gotta get a third ticket. I guess the guy starts, like, reaching for a cigarette, and you just give him a look, like, mm-mm. And he's like, and he, like, what do you do? you have to stay you? with an eye shot? Like, there's be like, stay, sure. you have to see them, obviously. You have to be in the room, sure. I guess, or, like, don't shut the door. You can be over here. I'm going to come over here and read Asian Weekly, and you guys watch <laughs> a sporting event in the den. Like, yeah, what's, what's, what's be- Corolla up to today? <laughs> got to be weird, right? Remember a million years ago we had Tatum O'Neal's son on and he told us about how they yes. did that? Yes. Yeah, he said it was super weird, I think. How yes, that's be? right. That's right. He was explaining just how weird. Well, now you add it because you have a celebrity factor. Sure. And so you have Ryan O'Neal, Tatum O'Neal, and um, and McEnroe or whoever right. she was married to. And now it's kind of weird because that's John McEnroe like sitting there and like you're sitting over yeah. here and... I'd love to just know how that training works and what the... There's got to be training. There's got to be parameters. It sounds like a good Costner movie, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The supervisor. Yeah, the supervisor. And uh, Falls in love with the person he's supervising. Yeah. All right, one more, baby girl. All right. Well, environmental experts say one billion plastic water bottles uh, reach the ocean each year. This, of course, is a problem. But it's a problem that could be solved by a new invention... The edible water bubble. This is pretty cool. A British company called Skipping Rocks Lab has created a biodegradable edible membrane made of seaweed extract that can be filled with water. They call it the Uho. Supposedly, you can tear open the Uho and pour the water right in your mouth or just pop the whole thing in your mouth and it'll burst and you can eat the whole thing and it's full of water. And it's the membrane, which is a terrible word to describe it. The coating is uh, seaweed, so it's completely biodegradable. Yeah, so if you're like at a party and you see a chick do like three of those at a time, you go, hey, let's yeah. <laughs> go sidle up to her and get her number. Can they make it in bottle shape or does it have to be in those little things? I, so far, they're just spherical, but you can add color and apparently flavor. Yeah, okay. like vitamin water. Get, yeah. Where are you going to fifty cents? You need a out. bottle of water, though. Where are you going to get that part? You just get a few of these little globules. Yeah, you oh, just come on. That's why preposterous. Are you, why are you making this difficult? <laughs> I mean, just get a little box of bubbles, little water bubbles. Okay. They just look like giant raindrops. <laughs> like like giant boba tea Aren't they bubbles. wet? I mean, where are you going to put them? I mean, the whole thing's... I, I mean, I like it, but I mean, come you gotta on. you got to get a case, you know what I mean? Because they're well, little... Yeah. They're, they're <clears> easily <throat> penetrated. I just want a bottle of water. Right? Yeah, you got, wow. you got a kids and, and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. How many goddamn <laughs> ways to transport liquid... <clears throat> like containers do you have in your house? Because my house is overrun yeah. with water bottles, sports bottles, travel mugs, like uh, the travel bottles, the, the the morning commute mug. Like every show you do, every time you do a show, they just give you a canteen yeah. at the end of the show with says Ellen on it yeah. or whatever. And then your house mm. is just, we have whole drawers just filled, filled, yeah. and you can't really throw it out because yeah. they're like Spun aluminum, and it's they have like a nice new. top, it's and there's a cork with like a with a little piece of chain on it. It's kind of cool. It's like it's got the Ellen, and uh, they anodized Ellen right in the side of it and stuff. But it, you will never use it. And <clears throat> far as I can tell, we're moving much less than we used to move. I personally am. I when I was growing up, zero air conditioning and 100 percent movement. Like I was thinking about this the other day. We would grow up in North Hollywood. We would take a bus to Santa Monica to go to the beach. 
just me yeah. and Ray and my friends, you know, just it take like five buses, like nine days <laughs> later, we'd be at the beach. The seasons would have changed and it was colder <laughs> at that point, but we'd get there. And you get to the beach and then once we got to the beach, we had no money and we had no water bottles or sodas or anything. We just body surf for like six hours, run back, run around, just all you just lay out in the sun, run back and forth the ocean. And then at some point after a day at the beach, you'd get up to go walking back to get to the bus stop and you'd pass a drinking fountain and you'd get a couple of hits off it. And then it was on to the bus with no air conditioning and the seven transfers to get back to the sweaty San Fernando Valley. Never a bottle of water. N- n- nothing transportable. No, no canteens. No, no anything. How did we... Survive. Do all of that for so long, and now everyone's just sitting in an air-conditioned office building, and they got a car that parks itself, and it's got air blowing, and the seats are cooled, and everything else. Do we need this much hydration? We've got air blowing no. right now, and you got a water bottle in front of you. I know. You're part of the problem. I got one, too. I know. It's sa- it's it's sad, <laughs> but do we... I, I have this theory. I If you could break down, like, you know, in the, uh, you know, tech companies will go like click throughs, you know, to be like, well, it's not how many impressions, it's how many people click through and made a purchase or gave him your information or whatever it is, you know, or there's ways. Conversion to, rate. Yeah, ways to gather data. Um, the amount of time, times per pick a unit, like 15 minute unit or one hour unit that you're awake that you take a hit off of something, a bottle, something with some flavor in it, a snack, a, a nut, a mint, a, a whatever. Just some, just your hand goes to your mouth, and there's something on the other end of it, a little water bottle, a coffee, mm-hmm. w- you know, Starbucks, like just whatever. You're working at Showgirls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you want a nice tip, don't you? No, so I got a nice, uh, oh, put jizz in that uh, little ball. All right. Point is this. I feel like I used to go five hours in between, like, eating. You know, I, I'd work construction. You'd show up at 7 o'clock in the morning. You'd get out of the truck, and then you'd just work until noon, and at noon you'd eat lunch. But in that five hours, there was nothing. Right. Just you just stand there and work. Now it's like, where's my water bottle? Where's yeah. my thing? I take the dog for a walk. I'm like, where's the water bottle? I get into my car. I'm like, where's the water bottle? I like, I, I don't need a water bottle. I'm in an air-conditioned Jag. Like, what? The, conv- the number of times you go up to your soup cooler with something, something with some flavor or water or hydration or whatever, Often. versus when like you were a younger person. Oh, tenfold. It, it's insane, yeah. right? Do you think in 10 years you're going to be on this show talking about how many seaweed balls full of water you have? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think. It's weird. Like, I'm, I don't think my kids, Jay, you tell me because our kids are the like, same age, right? Same age. I don't think my kids go 10 minutes without grabbing for something or having something. Like, they just get up and go, I want some more, I want some lemonade. And they go and then they sit down and they go, I want some Doritos or something. They get up and, and then the TV's on and whatever. Like, they don't just do the kind of hours at a time, um, kind of the, uh, oh, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think of uh, what was that great uh, movie that Carl Reiner directed about the kids? The Jerk. Oh. Uh, Stand by uh, me, but it was Rob uh, Reiner. Rob Reiner. Sorry, oh, yeah. sorry, Rob Reiner. Stand by me. Like that thing where you just you just go walking on the train tracks for hours oh, and hours, yep. and there was like nobody around, and no carts, and no kiosks, and no Starbucks, and like just 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 the outside nothing. world barely existed. You know, yeah, but, just, like, my kids, like, every night, like, we're walking to the Starbucks, we're going to get the donut, you know, like, it's just, like, yeah, 
I don't know how we can slow that yeah. down, but we need to slow it down, right? Possibly. We don't need this much. There doesn't need to be 7 billion bottles on the beach. I don't think it's going to turn him back. Yeah, maybe water you're right. bubbles. All right, water bubbles. Let's bring it home. Water you got bubbles. it. Okay. Stop making fun of the water bubbles. No, I want it. I want a water bubble. I'll try. It. I'll <laughs> eat that. Cat. I'll eat that damn thing. <laughs> and that's the news. Gina, Gina. That was the news with Gina Graff. Hey, Geico. Do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And that's Jay Chandra Sekar back in 2017, a comedic legend. And uh, incredible director, too. He's actually the director for Joe Coy's upcoming movie, Easter Sunday. So, oh, wow. He also did a Jackass 2, I believe. Yeah, be on the lookout or for Or parts it. of it. He was, he was in Jackass 2 playing a character, maybe Jeff Tremaine directed. I can't remember the details on that. But yeah. He was playing, a, he was somehow involved where he was playing a version of a cab driver. He was, yeah. he was always the big it's, stunt at the end. Yeah, it's, it, it's probably my favorite of the of the Jackass movies skits. With Danger Aaron uh, with the broken front tooth, everybody treats like crap. Yeah, and he had to put the pubes on his face. It was all, it was all incredible. Um, New so Jackass movie coming out, by the way. Yeah. Oh, there is. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's get going with another comedic legend. This one is Norman Lear, and this is from 2014. It's a spry 92-year-old Norman Lear as opposed to today's 99-year-old. Congratulations to him, by the way. Uh, he was on a couple of times. He was also on Take a Knee. We played uh, his his latter episode with Vinny and Gina. Uh, I think we played a, a huge chunk of that one. We may have also played a bit of this one, but I don't think it was this portion. It's Adam Carolla Show 1448. Uh, Norman Lear, Allison Rose, and Brian Bishop. November of 2014. Talks all in the family and uh, bombing missions in World War II. It's quite a clip. All in the Family is one of these shows that I reference all the time in the new Hollywood system where you're attempting to do a sitcom and they go, everyone has to be likable. This guy's not likable. <laughs> and I go, Carol O'Connor was not likable. Archie Bunker was not likable. He was funny as shit, but he wasn't likable. And I literally had an executive go, oh, listen, we know that him and Meathead argued, but we also knew that if Meathead was ever in the hospital... Archie would be the first one by his bedside. And I said, no, he wouldn't. He didn't even like the guy. And I don't know if today's system is driving you nuts or what was different about the old system that you could do something. There wasn't audience testing? I thought uh, he was a human being. And that uh, automatically included being lovable to some degree and to some people. And some people not. Uh, But I always thought of him as lovable in the sense that... uh, uh, his daughter could count on him. But yeah. do you, do you, what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is I, I come from a very liberal group. And when I was young, we would watch All in the Family, and my super liberal mom would look at him and go, what a buffoon. What a cartoon right. character. You know, what a clown he is. But she wouldn't be offended by him. She looked at him as a buffoon, and she would laugh with him because there was something lovable about him. Yeah, but I don't feel he was like a we, human being. I don't feel like we could make that 
sitcom today because we'd have to make him super likable all the time. He couldn't well, be that know, buffoon. The, guy, I, the guys and gals that are doing shows right now, <clears throat> the uh, uh, showrunners, they, they tell me you couldn't do it today. And they attempt to do some of the things that we did subject-wise, and they can't do it. Yeah, what, So you're right about They that. would take Carol O'Connor and they would round off the sharp edges and they'd make him just a little more sort of universally friendly right. and he would not, he'd be a, just a big blob. Oh, you know, know, Matt and Trey at South Park wanted to do Archie and, uh, and they did him as a little kid. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm I'm basically talking about you know the yeah, big three networks, as yeah. it, as it were. You can do that stuff on Comedy Central or the you know yes. cable channels. So it's weird that we've regressed in a in a certain way. But uh, you want to talk about shows that hold up, and also as somebody who came from a poor family that was pretty depressed, I liked watching the Jeffersons and Sanford and Son. It made me feel better about my lot in life <laughs> versus watching the Partridge family or the Brady Bunch, which always made me depressed. Well, you may be articulating something we don't... I haven't heard a lot, but there may be a, a very uh, significant inner truth in that, that an awful lot of Caucasians watched it because it helped them feel better than they had... They felt they had any right to feel when they weren't watching it. No, I did. Like, I would see them. I'd see good times, and I would go, all right, they're a little poorer than we are, and they live in a crappier place than we do. We're poor, and we live in a crappier place. But the, but when I would see the Brady Bunch in their big house and their shiny uh-huh. car and everyone intact and happy and together, it would depress me. So in a way, you did a service, and uh, Maud depressed me a little bit, too. But then Adrian Barbeau came down those stairs, and <laughs> I perked up. Man. How about Thelma in Good Times? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was pretty good. Yeah, Thelma was pretty good, too. But uh, Adrian Barbeau at uh, 26, coming down those stairs in a tight sweater. Yeah, I woke up in a hurry. Now, I, I yeah, have sorry. her. She's in the car at 26 waiting for you. Yeah. Oh. The show's over. That'd be I so awesome. Adrian, <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, one of my, I think I had one of my earliest erotic dreams about uh, Adrian Barbeau, which was uh, we're at a mall and I tried to grab her boobie and she yelled at me. And then I told her we were in a dream. It didn't matter. And she still yelled at me. Next story. Next. Thank you. <laughs> so you, and this I didn't know, you flew uh, in a B-17 Flying Fortress? I did. 52 I did. combat missions? I went over, when we went over, uh, we were on a mission basis, and uh, that is some uh, uh, flights we got credit for two missions because we were in the area that long. Uh, sometimes we didn't even drop bombs, and uh, we got credit for a mission because we were in the air that long. Then they got on a sortie basis. Mm-hmm. A sortie basis was every time you drop bombs. Right. So I was in a plane and dropped bombs 33 times. And flew 52 missions. Where I, were, I use the 52 because I'm an American, and that's what we do. What did you, where did you uh, drop those bombs? Uh, over Germany. And that was, the, the Flying Fortress is closer the to B-17. the end. B-17. B-17, closer to the end of the war. What year would that have been for 1943 and 4. There wasn't much you could do that was more dangerous than that in the campaign, Back then, was there? Well, I suspect if you were in the infantry and you were seeing battle service. But initially, 
when they had the you know Memphis Bell sort of thing, you can right. get to twenty five, you know. And no one got to 25. I mean, they were doing daylight bombings. They didn't have f- fighter escorts with that kind of range. Right. I don't think the Mustang was around, or at least the Mustang with the drop tanks. And you guys were going out unescorted in the daylight and just getting shredded. And then the P-51s with the red tails, the Tuskegee guys, came along. Yeah. And uh, they flew so close to us. And they... I think about the Tuskegee Airmen, I often think about uh, uh, a, a trio of, God, now I'm trying, trying to remember the black uh, dancers, the Something Brothers, and they were fabulous. Yes, I, I remember, I remember flying and thinking, uh, uh, watching the, uh, the Tuskegee guys dip and dance and, and flip and come in so close and go over the bomb run with us, which they didn't have to do. They weren't called on to do that, but they did. And I, it used to remind me of the something or other brothers. I could, uh, we'll figure it out. They're black, they're brothers, and they tap dance, I think. Yes, uh, yes. And, and I flew through the air and. Yeah, narrowed it down to 250 million. <laughs> Guys, it was like Sabian Glover. Yeah, it was something he, like that. They both, their brothers, are amazing tap artists yes. in uh, the 30s or Nicholas 40s or, Brothers. Got Nicola- it. The Nicholas Brothers. Um, so the idea, and if you guys could imagine this, I mean, you know, when you're flying in Southwest, you hit a little turbulence as you're going into Vegas, and your kind of stomach jumps up in your mouth. Imagine flak. I mean, imagine a, you're flying and people are on the ground trying to shoot you down. And in the air, and trying to shoot you, you down. Got the and in Messerschmitt. In the air, yeah. I, and your plane is skin with aluminum. And when they open up on you, the bullets just go right, right through. through they go right through the plane. I mean, there's, they don't, I don't even know if they would slow down. Mm-hmm. How? You, that had to be the most nerve wracking experience in the world. It's like an afternoon in somebody else's life for me. <laughs> or uh, a chapter in, uh, in somebody else's book, it's hard to, um, to, to remember it all. I mean, I remember it clearly, a lot of it, but, the, but emotionally, it's really hard to connect. You must have pain. been so young. How old were you? I was 20, 21. It's not the kind of thing, I, I, I don't think you can get 40-year-olds to do that job. <laughs> like, Here's what I, I've often thought. We live lives end on end and lives within lives. I lived a life uh, in kindergarten. I lived a life in the first grade. I lived a life with my parents. I lived a life in high school, the chemistry class, the debating class. By the time I was had to get into that plane, I'd lived so many lives that I don't think any of them were. I, don't, I didn't think I was going to now live one that was going to end. Mm-hmm. They never ended. They just one followed the other. So that's the secret, I think. I didn't think, no matter who died, no matter how many planes didn't come back, I couldn't believe it was going to be me. What was the closest uh, scrape you had or the time that you saw some planes go down around you or bullets fly? What what comes to mind quickly is uh, my best friend who was a radio operator on another plane, Jimmy Edwards was his name, and we trained together. And we flew over together. We flew on each other's wing, uh, and uh, and the first <laughs> the first time we were set to fly, uh, we get up in the morning 
and we happened to have breakfast. Uh, well, we didn't happen to. We saw to it. We had breakfast together. But then we each had to go to the John. There's a long row of... And you're uh, flying out of uh, England, right? No, Foggia, Italy. Oh, you're we flying out of Italy? 15th Air Force mm-hmm. uh, out of Foggia, Italy. Well, you met the 8th Air Force flying out of London, out of England, but uh, we flew out of Italy. And uh, the second time... And we're, the, the, the flight was canceled. Mm-hmm. The second time we were due to fl- uh, a fly, we already a tiny bit suspicious... Or maybe it happened accidentally, but we sat down again after breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then the third time, it was really a, uh, a superstition. Uh, the fifth time or sixth time, or whatever, when we really took off and flew the very first mission, we were rushing from the uh, commissary to the Johns to the latrine, and uh, which was just a hole in the ground, but there were like 30 of them. And... Uh, and a, a lieutenant stopped us and said, where are you going? We're going to the John. Get on the uh, Jeep. We're going to the flight line. Couldn't talk a minute. We just wanted to just touch down. Jimmy didn't come back. It was our first mission. Uh, I think it was Frankfurt. And uh, it, his plane went down. So that was the, it happened on the very first mission. And it, that was the, the roughest time I, re- I remember. RexMD.com. Should Viagra really cost 90 bucks? I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, it's nice to have the equipment working down there, but 90 bucks? Come on, RexMD.com. FDA approved generic Viagra. Starting at just two bucks per tablet and delivered discreetly to your door. Just fill out a brief survey and, if appropriate, you can try Starter Pack of Generic Viagra. Starter Packs are currently available to new customers. RexMD.com has helped over 100,000 men get generic Viagra from the comfort of their own home. No copay, no doctor office visit, and shipping is always free. If you're looking for generic Viagra, RexMD has made the process fast, easy, and affordable it's RexMD.com, right, Dawson? So don't wait another minute. RexMD is now offering starter packs of generic Viagra for new customers. Visit RexMD.com slash Adam right now to get started. That's Rex, R-E-X-M-D dot com slash Adam. And that was Norman Lear back in 2014. Let's keep the clips going. We've got some more DFG, some JV or all balls. It's hard finding DFG appearances we haven't yet played, but we haven't played this one. It's Adam Carolla Show, 1458, Connie Nielsen, not in this clip. Def Rat Guy, Alistair Rosen, Brian Bishop. It's JVRL Balls from a phoner from DFG. This one is from late November of 2014. Check it out. I know it's going to sound like I'm uh, name-dropping, but uh, I'm, my, in- my interest is very, very peaked. I was checking my text on my phone by the way people do a lot of uh, uh ju- judging i see people get on my computer sometimes i go yeah look for the whatever and they go 7300 emails huh <laughs> and i go yeah <laughs> and they go unread huh <laughs> and i go all right listen i don't fucking look at your computer and make judgmental noises toward you i'm not sure what's in it for you but either way um, 
how many what is the average count on where the where the envelope is at the bottom and the number is on it for me personally no for society for society okay I drag down the average. Mine's always zero. I'm obsessed with yours zero. is zero. But I'm, uh, I know Gary, people I need, that have. I need to know. I need to know now from everybody what their number is. I think mine's about seventy three, seventy four hundred. So you up the average? I may. I may. I may okay, not. You may skew the average or may not. I may not. We'll have to figure out. Uh, Gary, you can ask around. We'll 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 figure it out. Okay. So I, mm. can I share mine? Yes. For the longest time, mine was at zero. Mm-hmm. I had managed to keep it at zero. And then I don't know what happened. I Oh, I know what happened. I switched phones. And for some reason, like when the new phone got on the new system, I lost the battle. And I can't get back to zero. Oh. And now I'm at 328. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know right where you're at. Yeah, because it bugs me. I, uh, <laughs> I may have the record around here. 382. I, uh, I'm happy to say that my cell phone rang the other day with the blocked number, and I picked it up without hesitation, which wow. always means I'm at a very good place. And did it work out for you? Yes, it was uh, Dr. Drew. And Dr. Drew did that thing that uh, annoys the shit out of me, which is I've been staring down the barrel of this weekend for a while because it is, uh, as I've said, it is two shows in Portland, and that's uh, you know signings in between, mm-hmm. which I'm happy to do, but tired to do. Uh, we'll get back to the hotel at... Uh, one one thirty. Uh, then it'll be signings in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, Mangrio, and then it's off to Seattle to hit another signing, and then it's uh, two shows mm-hmm. that evening. And then I think we're flying out about seven fifty in the morning, which means discovered that today. Yeah. Back to the hotel at uh, back to the hotel at uh, you know one thirty and up at six thirty, but. <laughs> Would always, always compounds things. As I said, you know, I have no problem with my family staying home while I'm off on the road as long as they're running in place. Sure. And sure. just during the time I'm on stage. Yeah, doing something reasonable, yeah. And as I said, if Lynette gets tired, she can do push-ups. Okay. Either not way, I got not a the, monster. the call from Dr. Drew was, we're all going to the Rose Bowl. Big game. Big game. Mm. Saturday night. And then, when you tell them... Now, now, whatever, whatever I was thinking about my weekend, you managed to ratchet it up about eleven percent on the on the misery index. And by the way, he had already mentioned this on the show that he was on. So yes. Now he's just rubbing it in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he needed to he needed to talk to Lynette. They oh. needed to solidify whether they were going to dinner before <laughs> or at halftime, or maybe halftime would just be at like a sashimi bar, and then before would be fine dining, mm-hmm. and then obviously out for uh, after dinner dessert yeah, and liqueur course. after yeah. that Half as well. Tapas, <laughs> small plates for sharing. <laughs> but he did Pure give me eats and the olives. He did have the collar, you know. He did the uh, blocked number thing, and I picked it up. And then he did the conveniently forgot, and he's like, "You coming with us on Saturday?" And I did. Uh, no, no, I'll be working. And then this one, which I always love. Come on, you know what I mean? Like as if, as if I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be home beating off in a in a tub of warm water. Come on, come on. You deserve a 
one night off. So I'm like, no, nah, well, you know, I get in my bathrobe about 5 p.m., and it's going to be difficult to get me and my doctors after I get in that bathrobe. <laughs> right. Yes, I will be working 33 hours in a row. Do not, I, I like to come on, and now, now it's back on me. I'm sorry. I'm just not a trooper. <laughs> I'll be out killing myself so I can pay for the fucking nine churros Sonny eats during this uh, event. Yeah. Mm. So uh, that's a good time. Well, it sounds like fun. It does sound they like fun. They should have fun. a good time. They're going to have a good time. And then they're going to come home covered with fucking hats and banners and shirts and Letterman jackets. <laughs> foam fingers. Foam fingers. And say, come on, on there. But the name dropper, and I'm not good, I was checking a text trying to get a, a number of a guy who builds engines and uh i got a text from seth mcfarland mm. on monday saying is this still your cell number and i'm i've been going insane what's going on is he having one of his big band outdoor parties is he inviting me do i have a part and ted too mm. what will you be on the road <laughs> I'm sure it'll, it'll be ruined by down? something. Well, I was the last time he threw one of his big band, you know, 40 piece orchestra parties. But, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a social guy, but he's a super busy guy. And he's not a eh, just calling the catch up guy. Right. There's a reason. There's something he wanted on Monday. I'm sure it's gone by now. But either way, there's something he wanted on Monday, mm -hmm. and now I'm dying to know. Oh, you haven't got back to him yet? I got back to him a half hour ago okay. saying, what's up? I'd love to you message know? or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. text him back. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. That's, uh, that's, that's all I have. Oh, so. The story's developing. Uh, so I'll keep, you guys, I'll keep you guys posted. Gary, do you have the numbers? I do. Let's uh, hear it. Matt Fondelier, zero. Uh, Gary, three. <laughs> Kalen, three. Andrew, zero. Chris, five. Nate, seven. August, four. Dawson, 5,834. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, great minds. That's right. Yeah, they've been brined in bong water. That doesn't surprise me. I would have guessed August to be in the thousands. Yes, but emails equal money. Yeah, those are those are business emails. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Brian. No, no, no. I mean, August's not going to let anything slide. I'm in, I'm overwhelmed by the people that are. If 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 Jimmy Kimmel, I believe tapes. Five or five thirty mm. in the evening. Um, he's in his makeup chair at mm, four o'clock, going over the monologue, probably frantically on a nightly basis. If I send him an email at four ten, he'll get back to me before he does his show. It's not going to be nine pages, but mm. it'll it'll he will hit me back whatever it is before that, which is sweet of him. It's how he's wired. But for me, it would be definitely like, I'll do the show, and I'm focusing on the monologue. When I'm done doing the show, I'll, the, by the way, my text isn't, I'm on fire. It's just, well, what's going on this weekend or something, and I'll just get back to these people when I'm done. Wait, I have a question for the people, Dawson, this includes you, who have a lot of unread emails. And Adam, I don't even know if you would know the answer to this. For me, a lot of them are just spam or promotions or things like or like a notice from mm -hmm. Facebook or whatever or Levi's and I have other sale. accounts linked into my main account so that's a yeah. lot of them are are not actual someone sent me an email is that the case with you guys um most of them are not that <laughs> i don't it's not it's these are just emails that i somehow don't know what to do with yeah but i may have answered quite a few of them and a lot of emails don't require a response yes they're too they're yeah like 7 
7,300. And now when you open up your email, it shows you the first line of what's in the email without even having to open it. So mm-hmm. if you get the gist of it and you don't have to reply, you don't well, have to open Gary, it. That's always it my fear. If, if I have something in the first line of the email and then at the bottom it's like, and may, you know, and a question or something like that, my fear is always, what if they didn't read that? And now what, I know. What chemo do you recommend? P.S. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, yeah, get my phone and tell me, you can tell me the exact number. Anyway, uh, so a couple things. It's, there's a uh, weird wiring thing. I think speaking of Dr. Drew, goddamn, I think he called me this morning about 9 a.m. But here's the thing. Do you guys do this? Uh, when I do K-Rock, Kevin and Bean, they call me on my landline. And um, they call. It's, 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 it's always 9.05 or it's 8.25 or it's 8.05. But it, whatever it is, it's right dead nuts on that time. And... I was waiting for the Kevin and Bean phone call and preparing my This Week in Rage, which I always do once a week on Kevin and Bean. And at 9 o'clock, the phone rang. Maybe it was 9.01. And my first impulse was, oh, shit, they're calling a minute early or a few minutes early. And I use those last few minutes to get my thoughts down and get my get, get on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and write some beats and things like that. And I go, oh, shit. And then I picked up the phone and it was dr drew what do i do now i'm always angry at the person yes which is weird which is like hello <laughs> oh drew what <sighs> what do you don't you know better yeah. and it's like how the fuck does he know k-rock's calling at 905 when he dials at 901 it has nothing to do with him i i control myself but my first impulse is like Come on, dude. I want to yell at him, even though it has nothing yeah. to do with anything and no they could not could have any way of knowing. That's number one. The next call I got a minute later, which now I was sure was K-Rock, and I just realized this is a very sad state of affairs. It was a voice, an automated voice, but a voice that wasn't from a robot. It was a pre-recorded mm-hmm. voice. And I just picked up, once again, thinking it was K-Rock, and it said congratulations and i went oh shit and hung up and i thought that's a very sad state of affairs is it not who knows what it was i feel like i'm at 7311 let's see if we can get to 10,000 people yeah you got a comma in there I feel like jerry lewis <laughs> let's save let's save these kids dawson's got my back so the notion of 25 years ago or whenever you were a kid of the phone ringing and you going to the phone that was bolted to the wall next to the refrigerator in the kitchen and the first word was congratulations would not meet with an Mm -hmm. exasperated hang up. Right? No, you could have won a ham or something. Uh, Right. Is that sad or evolved? I think it's sad. I think it's sad that congratulations means I can't fucking hang up fast enough. It's a good point. We've taken. Sad, yeah. It, 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 there's no such thing as you growing up hearing congratulations. You're like, oh, what oh, are yeah, you? Yeah, what I do? I skip the beat. The, my, the worst to be publishers clearinghouse, right? But you <laughs> think maybe yeah. you're the hundred thousandth shopper right. at some place or something, or you've been chosen. Whatever, whatever it was when you were a kid, if you heard congratulations, you would have heard it out. At of least, course. what are they going to... I said, Yeah, like you said, a canned ham, at, at bottom line, yeah, maybe a Toyota Celica mm-hmm. toward the top end, right? Yeah, worst case scenario. This was congratulate, and he didn't even get to the S on the congratulation, and I was just, boom. Wow. Slammed it right down. 
Which is the right move because there's no way that was anything good. It right. was just you've won the opportunity to listen to a timeshare speech or something. Still, a, I, would, I would say a sad testimonial to where we are yeah. in our society today. This recorded call is from an inmate at a California correctional <laughs> facility. Congratulations means fucking... And not only does it mean zero, it means less than zero because... They're going to want something, or you're going to have to owe them a payment of, or whatever it is. All right. So uh, we got that going for ourselves. The deaf rat guy is going to be calling in in a couple of few. Uh, Gary. Yes, boss. All right. So the average, if you removed Dawson and myself around here but left Allison in, don't worry about it. You don't don't have to get up. Would probably be about uh, 60 because Allison's throwing the curve off a little Sorry, with her guys. three, oh, with right. her three something. Uh, you move Allison and Dawson and myself, and the average is four point two. Yeah, if that. I feel like these guys are especially skewed toward the low end, though. I feel like if you got the average of people at large, it'd be much higher than See, that. See what it is, boss. Is the more important you are, the less you have to read and respond to email. Mm. That's what mm. we got. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. I want to be with you guys now. <laughs> Hold on. Stop I reading just my email. Reading email. I just got lumped in with you. <laughs> We're all insulted. Yes, everyone's insulted. I'm also fanatical about whenever I sign up for something or a newsletter or buy something on Amazon or wherever, I use my other email address, so stuff uh-huh. goes to two places. How frequently do you check that other one? Because I have that same system and I never check it. Once a day. Oh. Twice a day, maybe. We do. I think we got a decent cross-section of life in here between the Mats and the August and the Kalens and that kind of thing. And it seems to be the answer is four and... I think it's me and Dawson that are way out of bounds, and yeah. Allison. If you're over four, you're way. This is over a wake four. up. You don't want to end up like Dawson or me, do you? <laughs> what? Super powerful moguls <laughs> admired oh, by everyone right. in your field. <laughs> yeah, I like Dawson. I like your you're spin. Right, you're on the right path. <laughs> hey, Dawson, does this same theory work with things like DUIs and stuff like that? Like the more you get, the more powerful. Never had re- one. Really? Really? So you've never been pulled over? Oh, I've been pulled over. I've been pulled over joke. drunk. That's a joke. That's, I've been pulled over drunk. That's Man, a joke. Yeah, okay. I, the joke? Easy. <laughs> I didn't get the joke. You said you've been pulled over drunk, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But how do you sweet talk your way out of that? No. The joke was you're always yeah, drunk. Constantly, so, permanently. So, yeah. I get it. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Good one, Ace Man. <laughs> All right. The average around here is 45, but that's Allison fucking it up. And it would be uh, 3,900 if, oh, you, if you got me and Dawson into the mix. So, uh, anyhow. All right. I'll tell you what you should do uh, if you're going uh, to drive. Have a shot of a smart mouth. <laughs> that's right. That's what you, if the officer pulls you over, you want minty fresh, not, not Dawson. All right, uh, smart mouth. Ah, yeah, I did it this morning. I bathe my teethuses in smart mouth. I, take, I now just nip it right off the bottle. I just take a hit off it. I, I, I know, whether it's NyQuil or smart mouth, I don't bother with the measuring and the teaspoons and it's the For cans. squares. For, for squares. Lightweights. I just take a hit. I know exactly what I need. I take my electric toothbrush. I took my mouth and I have it. I, I, I make like a uh, like a like a flesh and blood O ring around it. I just just like a <laughs> gasket of flesh. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like an immersion blender, just frothing it up. Mm-hmm. And then while it's bathing in it, I hit the tongue. Ooh, oh yeah. So you got to keep your mouth fresh. Hit that tongue. Check that tongue, man. 
Work that tongue. Sarah Silverman <laughs> gave me a very strong conversation about brushing one's tongue once. True. Yeah. Hope it wasn't based on what I smell like, but either way. Hit that tongue. Fresh breath all day long. <clears throat> uh, you can rinse it out at night, rinse it out in the morning, and uh, you'll never have a bad minute all day long. Find Smart Mouth in the green box at CVS Pharmacy or wherever you shop. That is Smart Mouth. All right. Let's see. Uh, us. Portland Sheridan deal. You want to uh, come by and get some Mangria and get a nice uh, guest room and free overnight parking and a free bottle of Mangria and all that good stuff. Just 159 bucks and uh, all the details at amcrolla.com so you can uh, do that. Oh, hey. that's that's where the signing is. So if you want to attend the signing, just roll out of bed. Roll out of bed and come on down with some morning wood. I'll sign don't that, that shit. Don't do that. I'll don't, sign don't, that don't, shit. Do that. Do that. By the way, I checked out the uh, hotel on its website. And it looks pretty nice. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Did you so, upgrade all of us for it? Was, was it a nice gift? <laughs> no, I just checked it out. Oh, okay. We don't even need the upgrade. That's how nice it appears to be. Uh, take a knee with the Norman Lear coming up, and you're not going to want to miss uh, this guy. Again, transcendent. And you can go to our app. Go to adamcroll.com uh, forward slash app. You can uh, download it. And uh, what you can do is if you sign up for Take a Knee, you can get the uh, whole archive, 1,500 episodes for free. Uh, oh, DFG is on already? Oh. All right. Let's talk to the DFG, and then we got a couple of phone calls and so on and so forth. Deaf Rat Guy? Hell yeah. <laughs> How's it going, DFG? Dude, I mean, why do you, how do you think it's going? Well, I mean, it's always good in your world, right? You're funneling booze, you're, you're chasing skirts, right? There's I'm, Ashley. I'm pissed, bro. What's the matter? Nobody is helping me through this podcast I have to have on the network by um, Monday at 7A, Wheels Up. You, you're having a, you're doing a podcast? Yeah, hell yeah. What's it, is it called something? Does it have a name? The Death Rack Guy podcast, and it's going to be on your network. I didn't even know about this. Feels like you know about that. Wh- who are you going to interview? Like Smitty and Moose and um, Mike F. Mike F. and Mike Peen, guys like that. Poochie, probably. Poochie's uncle. I was at Etsy, I was a comm major. Communications has always been my favorite thing. So <laughs> I want to interview the celebrities that are making news. And changing the way we um, think about issues, the big issues, hell yeah. Uh, all right, well, who who have you lined up? I have Mike L. talking about his the way he survived AEA. <laughs> what? Autoerotic. Autoerotic. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. No. Uh, Mike L. is going to talk about that? Yeah, he's not only a practitioner, he's also a survivor. <laughs> survivor? <laughs> He so, nearly succumbed to AEA? A DFG. I don't know, dude. It's, it's kind of JV. This my first um, topic is AEA, but that's what people want. Well, um, I'm not sure then, if people want it. DFG, do you have a landline? Are you on a landline or are you on your cell phone? Dude, I'm in my Tahoe, bro. You're in You're in where? Tahoe? But in my Tahoe. Oh, you're truck. Tahoe. Oh, you're in a Chevy Tahoe. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just answer the question. Okay, so uh, you're going to have Mike L. on, and he's going to talk about autoerotic asphyxiation? For the number one podcast, but then I'm going to do all kinds of issues for people to listen to, 
or hear, read on podcasts like you do. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of the other issues you're interested in? Um, like dipping. Dipping. <laughs> the issue of dipping. Um, owning your teacher. <laughs> I'm going to write some of this down. Dipping, like like chewing tobacco. Like how? Yeah, we actually going to talk to some real dentists. Uh huh. About how much to dip, or Pro, how, pros and cons. Pros and cons, things like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and boning your teacher. Yeah. Um. Like um. Natty Ice, like maybe take a tour of the distillery. A tour? Oh, you mean like a, uh, yeah, like an audio tour mm-hmm. of the Natty Ice? The brewery. Brewery. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But dude, I mean, bro, bro, bro. Yeah. yeah. It's Mangria is sponsoring the podcast, so of course we're going to do Mangria events, you know, like maybe live podcasts when we're gonna, supposed to be in North Carolina this month. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So you do like a Mangria event. But you'll cover it live. No, like maybe show like what how you know how Mangria is brewed or some shit. Yeah, it's in it's not brewed, but it's in Napa. Yeah, Nappy Napa. Nap- Hell yeah. Right right. Yeah, I listen, I, I like the idea. I wish Mike could just sort of run it past me before he agreed to let you do it, but uh Which Mike? Which Mike? Mike, what's his last letter? Mike, <laughs> Mike A. Mike Alfieri. No, no. no, Mike August. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, autoerotic no, asphyxiation. There's going to be uh, natty ice talk, dipping talk, boning your teacher, boning your teacher. What other hot topics might you get into? Soaking, bo- soaking um, tampons with booze and shoving them up your ass. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Dude, Moose has been doing it since sophomore year, bro. Oh, well, it's Moose. One more piece of evidence. Uh, yeah. Against Moose. Did, now, would you soak it with what? Would you use a, a clear liquor, like a gin or vodka? Is there a beer version? Gin. Yeah. Grain, gin, or vodka. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Other one's not going to do the trick because it doesn't have the... um. ABV. What's that stand for? Um, alcohol bottle volume or some shit. Right, okay. All right, so you want to go with hard stuff if okay. you're going to be putting it up your ass. Dude, hell yeah, man. If you want to, um, it's like if you're going to get plugged in the ass, you might as well do it in prison, you know? It's the same sort of, like, thinking. Right. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, I, hey, uh, DFG, can I ask you a question? Hell yeah. If one was going to catch a buzz by soaking a tampon in, let's say, Everclear and then inserting it into one's rectum, is there a way that one could soak a maxi pad in, like, gin or vodka and just kind of keep a buzz going throughout the day? You know, just kind of tuck it up there, you know, just for a nice mild buzz, like for a pool party or something like Like that. Like a nicotine patch. Yeah, where you didn't, yeah, if you had to fly. you're covered and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Just you know, it's funny that you say that, and I, I actually have to wonder how you get this info. I am just I just trademarked a thing called three beer buzz maxis 
Oh, really? So you can maintain with a maxi pad a three beer buzz? That's good. At all, basically, until it wears off. Then you strip it, you know. You know, then you change it for another one. But it's good for three hours. It's great for plane ride, pilots, <laughs> bus drivers. <laughs> no, you mean bus, you mean passengers, right? No, dude. I mean, yeah, hell yeah, everyone. There's yeah, there's no they shouldn't have it, too. You should also right. just have, like, a thin panty liner for light drinking days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for, like, you know, brunch. Yeah, with wings. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. Then we already went through that. You snip the thing in half. Oh, oh, I see. That's that's a beer and a half buzz. Are you guys going to do like an IPA and that kind of stuff too, or is it just natty light? It is what you. It's what you get. Dude. It's the same. There's no, you know, because the the, the um the alcohol that we get from um, Russia, mm-hmm. they don't tell us what <laughs> it comes from. They just give us the pure alcohol on the tampons and the maxi pants. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Hey, uh, DFG. What's up? <laughs> we got uh, we got another call or two to get to. So if, if you have any any business to take care of, you should you should do it now. Oh, you want to hear the intro? Oh yeah. And now Mangria presents the Deaf Frat Guy and yeah, JB for oh, all balls. Calls from the frat house onto the show. The deaf frat guy hearing impaired rose. He's hammered all day long with Poochie Moose and Mike F. They chug some fruits, chew potato gums, and then play a All right, JV or all balls? How about JV being that fucking theme song? Poochie's uncle says it is too long by half. Uh, Poochie's uncle wants it tightened up? Well, he thinks it makes people turned off to Mangria. They think it's a heavy metal beverage. No, I know. And I know Poochie's uncle used to work in radio, but not on the sale. He was on the sales side, right? He wasn't programming now. All right, dude. Here it is, dude. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, we're ready. Oh, hell yeah. Right. Um, okay, dude. It, um, it, dude's teacher um, threw a kid with Asperger's syndrome out of the class because he was being annoying. JV, oh, balls. I guess JV. Well, it's all balls if he took care of it properly. Like oh. if the kid was distracting the rest of the kids in the class and the other kids couldn't learn and he handled it by sending him to his counselor so that the other 28 kids could learn, then that's uh, that's all balls. But if he just tossed him out in the hall to rot, that's JV. So okay. I'm going to say all balls. JV. Um, I guess I'm, I'm going to go. All balls. Oh, oh, I guess oh, I don't matter. Okay. Hell yeah. Allison's yeah. got to weigh in. Well, I think it's all balls, too. But now the I know the answer. Big, he was a terrible masturbate, and the teacher knew he was just going to go to the restroom and beat his knee. Right. Okay. So it's all balls? Oh, yeah. No, dude, get him out. Yeah, okay. All right. So uh, all balls. Here we go. Legally changing your name to something like 
Man of World Peace or War Machine? Mm. Mm. Opposite opposite meanings, I would imagine, in those but, names. Dude, you changed your name, bro, to Lakers, bro. You know that's true. <laughs> oh, it's got you there. I know. When I was being paged at Burbank Airport a week ago, <laughs> it was really embarrassing. Adam, Boucher. Lakers, Corolla. <laughs> so weird. Um, look, I like, uh, I save your uh, professional wrestler, maybe an MMA fighter mm-hmm. or a professional athlete, by all means, do it. But as a civilian, right. no. I say, in that case, since we're talking about civilians, I say JV. JV as well. I think it's JV even for people like War Machine. JV. JV. Okay. A sweep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, what about writing 30 messages on the um, 30 car with your finger? Oh, I kind of miss that. I mean, like, wash me or, like, m- more vulgar? Like, here's a, you know, drawing of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of miss the dick drawings. I, do I, I don't feel like cars aren't dirty enough or people are too distracted. I, I think Chris Loxamana just got to wash me pretty recently. Oh, really? Pretty sure. I missed that. All right. Drawing the dick on the car is uh, is all balls. It's good, clean fun, ironically. I say all mm-hmm. balls. Yes. Too. All balls. Oh. Hell yeah, all balls. <laughs> Are you drinking a Natty Light right now? Um, No, Mangria. Oh, that's what I like. I driving forget. a Chevy Tahoe. I don't know if you're doing that. <laughs> you know where you can get that shit, man? You can get it anywhere in... Um, you can get it in uh, Virginia now. Mm-hmm. All cappy stores in, in Massachusetts. If anyone you know really wants wants some angry in Massachusetts, get it in uh, cappies. Yeah, cappies. All, place, all the places where you can get it as well. Yeah. Thank you, DFG. Do you have one more for us? Yeah, um, I want to save the best one for that. <laughs> but I guess. Well, I just wanted to mention um, that I'm really proud to have Ricardo El Matador Mayorga heading to Delta Fu operations in Central America. R- hold on. Ricardo Mayorga, the ex-boxer? Well, he's still a bo- Well, now he's an MMA dude. Wait a minute. Ricardo Mayorga is the guy who used to enter the ring smoking a cigarette? Three packs a day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This guy was insane. Okay. Uh, but he was kind of good in his... The best ever. Well, I don't know about the best ever. He's, he's, he had, had a few losses, but he was the kind of guy who would just... Sh- he, was, he was a modern-day uh, Roberto Duran. Okay. He, except where he would literally be smoking a cigarette in the ring after the fight. Just to... Well, I think he smoked, but also I think to fuck with whoever yeah. he was in the ring That'll with. do it. Yeah, and he he didn't care who he was in with, and it didn't matter whoever the heavy punchers were. He'd just fuck with them the whole time, but he'd get knocked out every once in a while. But So you're saying Ricardo Mayorga is is running this central? Yeah, Nicaragua. Nicaraguan. You know, they're based out of Managua, trying to get all numbers off. Okay, so I understand. No, you, you got to give a shout-out to him. Okay. Uh, Como Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's uh, Ricardo Mayorga. So the Delta Food Chapter well, in Central America now? I don't know. 
trying to get it, dude, but he seemed like the right guy, but he's also a little bit crazy. Oh, yeah, I know. He's he's a little Local. nutty. Gary, you need to find a shot of him smoking in the ring. That's that's what you need. But I also need to know who he fought. Like, I mean, he he would fight like Oscar De La Hoya okay. and and all that sort of sugar oh, shade Mosley. Yeah, he fought in that era, and there's a he had one big fight with some guy like Felix Trinidad or something who was supposed to be unbeatable, and they mm-hmm. beat him. And he was just sort of a crazy Nicaraguan. Although, you probably can just say Nicaraguan. Yeah. All right, DFG? I, okay, dude, can I give you one more, bro? Yeah. Okay, dude. Um, high school reunions. Well, the dude said, 10th year, he said, he's not going because people did. He didn't want to ask me then. I don't want to ask now. Uh huh. The, okay. the people who don't go to their high school reunion because they're still pissed off about high school. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think that's JV. I, I think everybody makes pretty much their own high school experience. I know everyone talks about, oh, I was bullied or I was made fun of or I was whatever. And that's true. And we all were. We all, everybody has their foibles. Mm-hmm. They also have the ability to make friends and join cliques and join groups and join teams and do sort of whatever. Your high school, everyone acts like high school happens to them. It's really not. It, it doesn't happen to you in a positive way and it doesn't really happen to you in a negative way. Now, look, I understand there's cases where the poor girl has a thyroid problem or the guy has super bad skin or just something like that. And I accept that. But for 92% of us, it's sort of, do you make, what experience do you make of this? And the ones that are like super bitter, 10 years past high school, 20 years past high school, to me, that's weird. And it's also like, you're kind of... I don't know. To me, you're kind of calling yourself a fuck up or a loser. We're like, well, those people are mean to me, and I'm not going to. And- you're, you're right, but I'm just wondering if anyone of high school age could hear the "it's what you make of it" and actually internalize that. Because I felt, I mean, no. if someone would say, "How was your day?" I was like, "Don't even ask me that. It's just about surviving." <laughs> it was like getting through a prison sentence every single day for me. That's what high school. Well, felt let's like. we'll we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, so he fought De La Hoya and Vargas and Trinidad and Vern, Vernon Forrest was the guy who was kind of the guy who was unbeatable. No, Vernon Forrest. Forrest. Vern, he he's the guy who beat Ricardo Maraga. Um, okay, I say <clears throat> I say it's JV not going back to your I agree. reunion. JV all the way. All balls. JV. Why, ah, why live in the past? You have to get over it. You got to get Don't over it. hold a grunt. Okay. All right. We good, uh, DFG? <clears throat> yeah, I just, can I just plug my Christmas album that's coming up after Thanksgiving? Uh-huh. Is it Winter Bush? No, it's where I sing Christmas Carol, but in Delta Flu lyrics and shit. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Gucci's uncle produced it. Oh, okay. Oh, he knows good stuff, obviously. Yeah. Uh, website, deaffrackguy.com. You can go there. You can uh, get the album, right? Um, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. It says here that uh, Mangria's at Paul's Wine in Wisconsin and uh, Vienna Vintner in, uh, I guess it's Vienna, Virginia, and uh, Cappy's yeah. out in Massachusetts. Thank you, uh, DFG. 
Oh, yeah, bro. Thank you, Adam. And, and please, look out for my podcast, which will be on your own network starting on next week. I, I, I'll, I'll have my ear against the computer. Your head against the computer. Yeah, yeah okay. Thank you, DFG. That was JV for All Balls with Deaf Frat Guy. Brought to you by Mangria. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And that very all balls clip from 2014. All right, we have one more clip for everybody, and we're going to go forward a little bit to January of 2015. Kevin Costner was on the show. Adam and Kevin did a one-on-one focused mainly on his movie, which it's really interesting if you like the movie he's promoting or you want to find out more information about it. But I want to find a more uh, timeless chunk that was just kind of about uh, philosophy and life. And I think I found it. It's uh, Adam Kroll Show 1498, Kevin Costner, January of 2015. Uh, they talk about some stuff that Adam actually touched on earlier in the clips. It's Full Circle with Kevin Costner. So for you... Um you know, obviously, the Hollywood stuff and the big budget stuff pays the bills nicely, but that's not necessarily where your passion lies. Although, certainly, once in a while, you can combine the two, which is what you, you, can. What you hope for. You can, yeah. But for you, what is your next project, independent-wise, and what or yeah. what are you interested in doing? Yeah, well, I've got you know, I've got a a western that I want to do. It's about. 10 hours of Western. I mean, I just, you know, I, I love going back. Uh, anybody who makes movies, it, they are the really one of the funnest ones to make. And I like, I like them when they're really authentic, when they're harsh, when you realize that, you know, life and death was really random out there. I mean, the American West was populated with people who didn't speak the language, who right. come from Europe, and the Indians didn't really understand. And so, there's this if, if you really want to drill down on all those possibilities, you realize that you get life and death out there was very random. And it just, you know, somebody would come by and they look at a graveyard and, and somebody go, maybe this is a sign that maybe we shouldn't go on. And somebody goes, no, they just weren't lucky. We're going to be. Right. And I love kind of uh, being in that, you know, and, uh, and, and kind of fashioning that kind of randomness, that kind of level of violence around a story. And. You know, over the last four years, I mean, there is the impression that I can do whatever I want. The truth is I actually do whatever I want, but it's not like I can. If if I want to do some of the things, I almost find myself going it alone. I mean, I looking here in your studio. You kind of like carved out your own universe. And, you know, I'm, I'm a co-author in a book that's going to come out in the, in the fall, you know, a high adventure book that I hope, you know, takes its place one day among like Rudyard Kipling or Jules Verne. You know, the the big thing is like, Oh, really? Yeah, I, that's what I hope. I mean, will it? <laughs> I don't know. But when you do something, you want it to last. You want yeah. it to be a, a generational watch, a generational read, something that, you know, you look back on, that, you know, that uh, cool book on the shelf where you go, boom. So, you know, 
that's what I do. You know, I've got this little movie coming out of Disney movie. You know, uh, you know uh, about McFarland. It's a immigrant uh, or a migrant farm workers' kids. It, true story. I remember reading about it in Sports Illustrated ten, twelve years ago. This cross country team. Oh, that, oh, yeah. So just, just won. Seen, yeah, just saw <clears> some <throat> spots for it on TV. Won nine nine state championship. These little Chicanos. You know, they just. Uh, that just this coach went in there, and and it's a, and, and it's it, it's it's a really wonderful movie. And I started thinking about it. I actually played McFarland because I lived one year in Visalia mm-hmm. and uh, played uh, baseball against McFarland. So the high school, the high school, and uh, so those are the kind of things I, I want to do. You know, I I do have to almost create my own work. Well, you know, it's so funny because I talked to Francis Ford Coppola, and I said. Uh, and he told me, I interviewed him, and he said, I can't really make a movie in Hollywood. I can make a gangster movie. They'll let me make a mafia movie, yeah. but they won't let me make a movie I want to make. Yeah. And what people don't realize is even these people that are multi-Oscar recipients and walk of fames and lifetime achievements and blah, 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 you would think that Kevin Costner or – Francis Ford Coppola could just walk into any studio and go, look, don't worry about the movie we want to make. Just give us a check. It's us. That's not really the way this business works. Um, It's sad that no matter how impressive your resume is and no matter what your incredible track record of success is, it's still a what is this project? That sounds like a tweener. We're not sure how to market that from a foreign standpoint. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our next Seth Rogen vehicle. I feel like I'm ready to walk out of here. <laughs> I swear to God. I, no, you, you, you look at that and, and obviously I, I tell you, I was in I was in uh, Amsterdam one time and uh, went down in one of those cafes where, uh, you know, you're able to, you know, really partake and have mm-hmm. a really uh, a good time there. It was It was probably one, two in the morning and I. I um, came out kind of just walking across these cobblestones and it was like a perfect night and I bumped into this dude and it was Francis Ford Coppola and he'd obviously been in a cafe and uh, we just sat there in, in you know in Amsterdam just kind of looking up at all this stuff we we're just all kind of on a different plane and just shot the shit back and forth and uh, you can say stone by the way yeah the podcast yeah yeah well when I when we when you know it was like kind of one of those really magical things where you you know as sitting talking to the guy you know and we all identify with him but you're right you do, you don't get everything you want and and guys like that I mean him I, we don't want to do things with committee. It's like, you know, we know when something's funny. Right. We also know when something's not working. You just got to give us a chance to massage that, to fix that. But no, people want to go really fast. They care what an audience wants, how to end your movie. And you go, no, if I wanted them to end my movie, I would have asked them for money and would have invited them to the set every day to lift stuff. But what I'm saying to anyone who's listening in whatever endeavor you're interested in, Kevin Costner has to get up and hustle every day. Francis Ford Coppola has to get up and hustle every day if he wants to realize his projects. Yeah. My buddy Jimmy Kimmel has to get up and hustle every day. There's this notion that well once you get to a certain level, then you just sort of put it neutral and coast. Unless you want to make that movie five times in a row. I'm not saying that's bad business. No, but, it's good but, business. But that's what but, you do. That's what you do when the little individual thing you did didn't work. You hop back into that feather bed, right? And you go, you know. So that's a good way to play it. Uh, it's just not the way I played it, which made me not so smart. Well, again, you know, the best way I'll I'll 
put it to you this way. I mean, my philosophy, I tell people all the time, look, the best way to make money in almost any endeavor is to do one thing. Um, the jack of all trades, you don't get rich doing that. You don't, you don't get bored, but you don't get rich. You work construction, I work construction. The best way to make money if you're in that field is you just do pools. That's all you do is pools. You get a gunite rig, you get a couple of vans yeah. and teams going, and you just do pools because you don't. You buy all the equipment you need to bend the rebar, you get all the trowels and floats, and you do pools. Yeah. That's it. And eventually, you can make a million dollars a year just doing pools. But what you don't make money doing is framing one day, cabinets one day, pools one day, custom closets, roofing, foundation. You don't make money doing right. that. You need all the different tools, and you're constantly doing something right. else. Now, it might be very satisfying to say, I built this entire house, because we all know <laughs> just hanging drywall is boring as shit. Yeah. I mean, you can go to a casino in Vegas and just be a sheetrocker and get paid by the sheet and make yeah. a pretty good living, but that's all you're doing, and it's not good for your soul. So, now, that's the building. When it comes to this business, you're best. You're better off just being Michael Jackson. Just sing. Just sing and write those songs. Yeah. Don't go do a thousand different things. Don't write a book, make a movie, do a podcast, do stand-up. I'd make a lot better money if I just went, fuck it, all I do is stand-up. That's all I do. And right. I'm going to do HBO specials, and I'm only going to focus on going and touring and playing and selling out yeah. venues and whatever. But I don't want to do that. I want to make an independent movie. I want to make a Paul Newman racing documentary. And... Costner, I imagine, I mean, a lot like Alec Baldwin, you know, they go, look, hey, good looking guy, you just be this guy in these types of movies and you shall go on and make millions and millions of bank. You know, be Floyd May Mayweather Jr. Just box, make money and then make yeah. more money and box again. I but, don't know. You want to be you want to keep I mean, who doesn't want to keep their level of interest? I mean, I think about when I was a kid, man. And I played, I didn't play the soccer. I didn't play, I played basketball, baseball, football, and I played them during the seasons they rolled around. I didn't come home till the streetlights came right. on. I love that. You know, and now kids, you see kids and they go, oh no, I'm trying, I got an eight year old baseball player. He's got a private coach. He's got all that stuff. And I thought, you mean you're not going to let him play basketball? You're not going to let him? I said, that's how you got better in sports. You know how you get better in sports? You play people that are better than you. Right. All right. That's how you do it. When you're little, you learn how to play with your back to the, the, the basket because you got to back somebody in and when you and you and and all through all the sports and you want your level of interest high and you think okay you're 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 right you do one thing it is but it's like man for me i wasn't going to work in an office and i loved nothing more than recess when that bell went i thought man everything was possible and when i left college and i thought you know i got i got to have a life where everything's possible and i know not everybody can do that and and believe me there was no guarantee it was going to happen for me i mean there was like probably all the signals that it wasn't going to happen for me i was a stage manager left university went to Ra i was at raleigh studios made three dollars and fifty cents an hour i was out of college so my buddies were all making you know they would use that word 40k remember that i mean right. terms are always changing mm -hmm. right i was making 40k and i got my first i got a company car and i got an expense account and i was like whoa shit whoa right that's amazing I, and i think i got an interview in like a month and i was making 24 bucks a day but i was happy because i was like i was taking you know it's I couldn't be a waiter, you know, and I'll tell you why, because I can't make change. I, I'm always bothered by when somebody gives you money plus eight cents or something like that. It's like, I, I don't, what would you just do? 
So I, I couldn't be a waiter, couldn't be a bartender. But because I was a laborer, because I did construction, I wasn't even I wasn't even good like you were. I, I was a really good laborer. I mean, if plywood had to get on the top and they didn't have a petty bone, I was the guy because I knew I could just go all day. My dad was out of the was out of the Oklahoma. I, they came like Tom Joad. They had lost it all in the Dust Bowl. And my dad only had one job. You know, we were lived in Compton, California. And uh, he went to Compton College and met my mom, seventh grade. They've been together, together ever since. But that that thing coming out of the Depression, the Dust Bowl, Oklahoma mm-hmm. crude. I mean, these are like fist fighters, you know. Right. He just said, he said, no one will ever take your job if you just can outwork them. Right. And and I and I mean, you go like, oh that oh that's what your dad taught you. It's held me up pretty good, man. Well, I I a uh, couple of things, a um, couple of thoughts. One is I always laugh and I think about your background growing up in Compton with your dad with the work you did, with your struggles. And then there's this sort of white privilege thing where it's like, well, you know, Costner, look at him over there with his blue eyes, never had a bad day, never worked an honest day in his <laughs> life, had everything handed yeah, out to him. Yeah, you know, yeah. It does suck to, to be lumped in with, uh, you know, the Sheen brothers who grew up in Malibu, <laughs> just assuming that, well your dad must have run one of the studios and then kicked you down a couple of sweet acting parts in high school. And then, then you was all, yeah. it, it, it's in, it's insane how everyone just assumes that because you're where you're at now, you must've started and you must've started laterally, not in the basement. I mean, because you're somewhere near the penthouse, and I know I was going to say in the penthouse, but you probably wouldn't feel comfortable in the penthouse because you always want to feel like there's another floor to get to. Yeah. So let's just say you're up on the 21st floor. People assume you started on the 20th floor or on basically third base yeah. of life, not yeah. not in the dugout. You were cleaning the dugout. That's it. And I know you got whatever you got today. I mean, you're probably – thankful for that experience because it's made you who you are today. It's just sad that when you say, hey, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Let's go. This is America. You can do it. Don't worry about what that guy's saying and don't listen to that guy. Get get to fucking work and let's do this. They go, well, of course, easy for you to say. Your dad ran show business. Yeah, yeah, people don't want to put your life in reverse. And and I do know that not a lot of people – there are people that fall through the cracks. And that's what our government's supposed to be about. Look – there, there, there are things where people aren't ever going to be able to emerge, and and so those people do. But you know, I totally bought into the idea that you could do whatever you wanted to do. But my my mom, in particular, would always back that up. But you, you got to work for it, man. You got to like, and when it doesn't work, you got to figure out how to rework it. And when that doesn't figure out, you just gotta, you just have to to do it. So the the dream was always out there. But my parents always backed it up. Said, "But you got to you got to work for this." So it is a little bit. If someone thinks that about my life, then then I really can't have a conversation with them because they don't have a clue. There was no guarantee. I didn't. You know, the first job I went to, my first um, audition, I wore a suit. That's how stupid I was. You know, most guys were coming in with that, that kind of faded. Levi shirt or whatever that my dad wore every day to work because he was as handsome as Paul Newman. Right. Um, but 
I wore a suit because, and you know, so I like learned the hard. I was a dweeb. I was like, I came from college. I go, well, you bear, you wear your best clothes when you go for a job interview. So if somebody looked at me, you know, the guys would laugh. You know, but I learned. But that's what I did. You know, I you know I went to public school. I learned how to get along. I was in fourth. I was in ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, all different schools. You I, learn. I always uh, also say this about this profession where people, you know, when I think, and I don't know how you feel, you can uh, definitely tell me, you know, when I see that somebody hosted a game show for 30 years or did Good Morning Los Angeles for 25 years, everyone thinks, well, what a career. That guy really hit the lottery. You know, it's like 30 years working. And I think, I feel sorry for them. And they go, why? And I go, because Part of the reason I wanted to get into this business was variety. Right. Um, it, everyone thinks it's about money. It's really about I'm sitting across from Kevin Costner doing a podcast right now. And as soon as we're done, I'm going to walk back to the other warehouse and we're going to have a conference call about the trailer for my independent movie. And we're going to look at the poster. And we're going to try to design the poster. Then I'm going to walk back here and I'm going to do another podcast, but it's going to be about cars. And then I'm going to walk back and we're going to work on this Paul Newman documentary. That variety part, and as I always say, when you hear about the guy working at the postal sorting facility for 41 years, you feel sorry for him. And you go, why? And he goes, because he was in the same place for 40 years. You look at the clock. You just – when I I hit on acting, when I hit on every – you just don't look at the clock. You you work late and you work with your friends and you laugh about stuff and you know early on you're pissed off about everybody else that is successful. You look at somebody on TV and go, "I'm better than them." You just can't help but do it. But you go, "How do I, how do I get there?" You know, and eventually you kind of drop the "I'm better than them" and you just go to you just go to work. You know, and you and uh, yeah, it, it it's nice to not it's it's. I, I can do anything I want. I really can reinvent my life. And I tell you, the day that movies don't mean anything to me, I won't do them. Right. You know, but my life outside the movies is so is so much bigger than the movies. I mean, I have these things. I'm seen on television. I'm seen on the couches talking to the guys. I'm I'm on the radio. I'm I'm doing the things. But honestly, um, and but people really out there probably they don't want to buy in. They want to say, you know, oh, yeah, sure. But it is it is it is seeing my uh, my kids uh, in Little League. It is seeing my my daughter. Uh, uh, like the dresses more than the ballet. So she's four years old. She'd just rather buy the dresses. You know, it, it, my kids are uh, amaze me. They are just like really funny. And I, and my older kids, you know, I, I was 60 years old, man, uh, January 18th, 60 years old. That's just like, it's, fuck, it's like mind boggling. Um, but I, I, I had my 27, my, my 29, and my 31 year old daughter um, stand up and talk about me in front of like a hundred of my friends. And, and um, there was a moment in time when I, they couldn't cross the street by themselves, but then to have them articulate who I was in their life in front of my friends was um, powerful. And I have that. That ain't on film. That's not for anybody else, but I have that. And, and my life more often is about that than it is how it is I am known. Somebody, uh, Matt from San Jose, has a question He's been waiting to ask you for a few minutes. Uh, Matt, 25. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, man. Good. Kevin Costner, I'm a big fan. Thanks, Matt. Um, I was wondering, you've done a lot of movies since, like, the early 80s. Um, 
it's been a long time, but throughout that time, which movie did you enjoy making the most? Yeah, that's, you know, um, man, I, I'll tell you, because I kind of pick carefully, because I kind of do the things that, like I said earlier, that I fall in love with, there's a lot that I can look at. And, you know, I mean, I love making Fandango, you know, I, I loved uh, making The Untouchables. I love making the Westerns, open range, you know, pitching a perfect game in Yankee Stadium. So you can see right away why one wouldn't stand out, you know, more than the, more than the other. And, and probably because of that, you know, when people come up to me and want to say what movie is their favorite, let alone me saying what my favorite is, is I never know what's going to come out of their mouth. And that actually feels good to me. I think if 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 100 people came up to me and said one movie, then number one, that would be interesting that 100 people came up to you. But the idea that, that it could be, you know, it usually is one of 10 movies that, that people will talk about. I actually feel really good about that. So drilling down on the one movie... I don't know, man. Um, uh, I, you know, um, maybe Bull Durham. You know, maybe Open Range. I love the scene in Bull Durham where everyone is standing at the pitcher's mound trying to figure out the wedding gift. Yeah, I think it's a wedding gift. Either way, the gift. Yeah, and it's such a it's such a crazy. It's the minor leagues. It's the minor leagues, and you know, and and Ron Shelton who wrote that, who wrote Tin Cup you know, is number one, you know, rode those buses. He played with Bobby Gretsch and Don Baylor in, and he, wow. did, he didn't make it to the angels. Big. Yeah. yeah. He didn't make it to the bigs, but I'm sure when I think about that, that those guys probably looked back at him, you know, always writing notes and going, what's Shelton up to? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Cause that really bull Durham really felt like an insider's look at that world. Yeah, it was. And he rode the bus. Hey, Matt, yeah. Do you you have a scene? Do you have a movie? Do you have a special Costner moment? Um, no, but I do have a follow up question. How how much do you uh, when you're picking movies? You said you know you're very particular. How uh, do you do? You ever do movies that you know you're not going to enjoy making, but it's just going to be great for your legacy and you're going to get a lot of respect for it. Yeah. You know no. I, I yeah, but I but I have you know had one where. I wasn't sure, and I'm not going to tell you what the name of it is, but I said no to it three or four times, and then the director was a really well-known guy, and he said please, and um, and I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't a bad movie. It was a, it was a good movie. I just didn't think it was that exciting. But he said please to me, and he was a a guy I really respect. And he goes, "Would you come help me do this thing?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm kind of a sucker." I'm kind of a sucker for that, you know. Um, Noted, by the way, because I'll be making movies as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, Kevin I am. Costner to be in it. Uh, can I mean, I do corporate gigs, and all comedians do. Almost every comedian does a corporate gigs. It's not something John Stewart likes to brag about because we want to keep it real. But when somebody offers you a shitload of money to come over and do twenty minutes, and they'll send the jet. Uh, you can get Leno, you can yeah. get John Stewart, you can get Adam Carolla if you have less money. Um, you do it to pay the bills. Yeah, uh, it's not part of your art or it something you're proud of. But I mean, do on occasion will you take a corporate gig in terms of making a movie? No, this was this was a respected movie. I just was not a movie that I said no to. It just didn't match up with really what I wanted to do. And will you take one now? 
I mean, not something that you disagree with or you think is a piece of crap. It's just, look, this is not the kind of movie I would want to make, but they're offering me good cash, and the good cash enables me to make more of the movies I want to make. Yeah, I. it's... um. Well, you know, whatever this good cash is that you get, it's almost, it's it's always half. You know, if you want to be a millionaire nowadays, you got to make two. You know, you right. just you know, so somebody you know, um, look, I always will listen to it. You know, and if it and if it, and if you know, but I pretty much don't. I I pretty much don't do it. Um, uh, you know, I'm not above it. You know, and I just. Um, but m- making movies for money is something that's. In the past, or never existed. It, it never really, exi- it never existed. You know, I, I did Hatfields and McCoys. You know, was I just liked this movie? You know, um, got a you know not, not not that much, and I was really happy to do that. You know, um, I never start a movie unless I think it has a chance to be great. The problem is if I'm not controlling the movie. A lot of times, these movies, you know, they fall into that um, committee thing, that conventional wisdom, and they were really good in the writing. And what happens sometimes people go through with a fine tooth comb and take out those scenes that make people just a little bit uncomfortable. We don't need that. We, you know, suddenly everybody's declaring what we don't need. And I said yes to a movie that I thought was actually written really well and hit on all those cylinders. And all of a sudden you see those things start to evaporate. So I've had movies that were had a chance to be great that just ended up being kind of good. They weren't embarrassing. They're just yeah, kind of good. I, I, I Look, anybody who's tried to do a sitcom with a studio knows the whole committee but but first off what artistic endeavor historically has ever worked by committee you picture a novel you picture a painting you picture sculpture architecture a a, a movie what has ever worked with a whole bunch of people Standing around second guessing Michelangelo or whoever. Well, yeah. has it ever worked? Historically, ever worked? Well, I tell you, when I tested Dancers with Wolves, number one, no one was sure it was going to work. It was three hours long, and we went to Phoenix to test it. This was probably where I, they were going to end up telling me what time it was. Like, now do you see that this right. doesn't work? And listen, I I didn't know. I just I kind of knew I liked it. Uh, and this thing tested like unbelievable. It tested went high in the nineties. They asked they asked the focus group. They let, number one, the whole theater fills in the cars. But at the end, they actually asked thirty people to stay and and talk personally to them. You know, and one of the first questions they asked is, "Is this movie too long?" Right, and not one hand went up. Right, and it had this high score, so it wasn't wasn't going to be too long. It wasn't anything, and so everybody suddenly going, "Oh my God, the, you know, we got a three hour movie. What are we going to do with this that works and the whole thing?" And then, so they were trying to look at what they could do, and and the, they also asked in these cards a question: "What's your favorite scene?" So the people wrote down their favorite scene in that movie. They also asked, "What's your what's the what's the least favorite scene you have?" Well, there was two that came up consistently. They didn't like the horse dying, and they didn't like the wolf dying. And people showed me that. We could have a perfect movie right. if we get rid of the horse dying and the wolf dying. You know, an empirical evidence said that, that, that people don't like these two scenes. Right. Well, the reality is that's what made the movie you – made you gave it the power because you hated that, that that happened. Right. And so – you know, you know, I was, you know, I was kind of, you know, am I a megalomaniac? I got to, you know, I, these guys let me make a three-hour movie, and I can't give them these two things back. Uh, right. You know, so you kind of go, man, I, I'm, I feel like I'm in a position where I can't win. 
Right. Again, but but I'm also trying to protect the movie. You know, it's like I I kind of think of a movie as like a patient that can't speak for itself. You know, you it's over here. You know, and it's on oxygen, and you know, and you're saying, well, we maybe we should take it off oxygen, and the person's just going, oh, what what are you talking about? Well. It, <laughs> First off, I, number I, one, I, the executives didn't make me do that over there. Mike Medavoy and Bill Bernstein didn't. You know, thank God they really backed me up. But the evidence said, the evidence, you know, that these guys that added up said, if you get rid of those two scenes, this movie's going to work perfect. Well, as I said, as it pertains to testing, first off, I always say, look, as when I was trying to do a sitcom and those days are over because you can't fight. You just you can't fight City Hall or CBS or ABC or NBC. I said, look, if they had audience testing every time Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker, walked into the room and yelled something at Edith or called Meathead a Pollock, they all would have turned down. They would have went like, oh, so it's 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 essentially, yes, no one wants to see a dead horse. And no one wants to see a dead wolf. Everyone likes wolf, especially when you like the wolf. It's it's sad. Right. But it's like saying, I want to make a Bond movie, but no villain. Right. Well, you have to have you the have salt to, have to bring out the sugar. Yeah. And I know, no, of course, if you have to pick a part where Jesus yeah. made you the sad. It's not that you didn't like it. It's that it made you... Yeah. Feel the most uncomfortable oh. or the saddest, and you know, and the and the and the big one I left it out was you know this guy writes a journal during the course of that movie, a journal, and it eventually gets lost. So it's a kind of a you hate to see history floating away, so to speak. But when this one soldier finds it, he uses it as toilet paper. He goes, "Can we please get rid of that?" And I thought, no, because one man's poetry was just another guy's toilet paper. I said that allows me to choke that guy and hold him underwater and drown him. Right. We we all wanted that because that was all our journal. And this guy just treated it like a piece of shit. J.B. Weld, don't you know? J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond. Pros have trusted it for 50 years. But uh, I don't know. You may not be a pro, but you can look like one with J.B. Weld. Do it yourself. We're proud to have J.B. Weld Epoxy Adhesive as a sponsor. I personally know the owner. This is a great outfit. Hung out with these guys and they're... SEMA booth a couple of years back, used their products all the time. DIY projects, auto, crafts, plumbing, marine, and more. You can use them on metal, wood, plastics, glass, ceramics. Keeping your kitchen drawer, wherever you keep your uh, craft supplies in the garage. I use it to fix Sonny's tennis shoes. Stromer uses it to fix his wet saw. I use it on some stonework in front of my house. They have a product that'll fix anything. And... They acquired Herculiner, the ultimate uh, DIY truck bed liner. So let's get to fixing with J.B. Weld, right, Dawson? J.B. Weld is available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, AutoZone, Advance Auto Parts, Napa, O'Reilly, Amazon, Michaels, and more. And remember, J.B. Weld epoxy products are proudly made in the USA. J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond. And that's Kevin Costner on the show back in 2015. And that will do it for this marathon of Corolla Classics. Once again, June, I would like to thank everybody for listening, for writing in, and for enjoying these clips of Adam Corolla and his podcast over the last 12-plus years. We really, really appreciate it. Adam Corolla is back tomorrow, so make sure to tune in and hear all about what he did on vacation. Thank There's going to be some engine noises. Oh, there might be. But thank you again to everybody for listening. My name's Chris Loxamana. That's Super Fan Giovanni. 
Mahalo and get on. Vroom! Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more, all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet, or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. Get started with a great offer from Comcast Business. And for a limited time, ask how to get a $650 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle when you buy online. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go to comcastbusiness.com to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 9-21-21. Call or go online for details.